welcome to the 225th episode of the Random Podcast from Heck. The 225th episode. My name is Tony, and this is the podcast about random things in the world of entertainment, which includes movies, TV shows, and comic books. Big shout out to Dave McPhail and Andrew Loken. They are awesome supporters, and I wouldn't be here without their support and your support. Uh, you can be a supporter by going to patreon.com slash gmanfromheck. Any amount you can commit to will be awesome. And if you commit at the Rick Jones tier or higher, you get access to the secret podcast from Heck, which is an additional 30 minutes of podcast entertainment every single week. I sometimes talk about older movies, classic, really cool or weird movies. Often I talk about comic books, like older comic books, not current stuff. I just started looking at uh, certain uh, Hawkeye series that that needed to be revisited because of the awesome Disney Plus show. So uh, Matt Fraction, David Aha series. So you can hear that and more. But if you can't commit to a monthly commitment, you can also help out by going to coffee.com slash heck, And you can buy me a virtual cup of coffee or four. That is ko-fi.com slash heck. And I uh, also want to uh, thank uh, Brian, Brian A. I don't know if you want your, your full name disclosed. Do you want to be a publicly uh, known supporter of the show? But Brian has been uh, buying me some coffee. So I, re- I appreciate it. You know, every little bit is, is just extremely awesome. Touches my heart. And, uh, you know, before I get started, 225 episodes. I know I always wonder, like, what these milestone numbers, you know, do you go by, you know, because 225 is a milestone number, just like, you know, 200, 250 and all that. But I also look at it in terms of calendar year, you know, so like 52 episodes, 104 episodes, you know, stuff like that. And not to toot my own horn or anything, but I, I'm, you know, I, I'm proud of myself that I've been doing this every single week. Pretty sure, right? I haven't missed a single week. I've, I somehow I've managed to do it, and I always wonder is like, how do I, how did I get it done? Like around the holidays and everything. But I'm, I'm doing my best to try to squeeze it in, trying to find a time. So that being said, with this, you know, the holiday season, I will do my best somehow to make sure that you know there is one, you know, next week and the following week and and so forth. Uh, I hope you're doing well with your family and friends and, and you know whatever activities you may doing this this time of year and you know maybe you can't listen to it right away but I do hope you will listen to the show at some point but you know um, maybe listen to it with the family hey kids gather around let's <laughs> they're like who who's this guy talking <laughs> you know so we'll have that but with this this week um, that being said because we're at the end of the year ideally I would have loved to have done like a best of thing i don't i don't think it's going to happen i yeah i i I don't know we'll we'll see how the next couple weeks go in terms of other content it would really require i really should be taking or would require some more time and effort on my part i really should be taking notes like throughout the year like if there's something i really like and and so forth because i'm even if i were to think like like movies or tv shows and i'd have to think about like what exactly did i watch and read or you know because it just feels like by doing this every week, there's just so much stuff, and then everything just kind of blurs together. So trying to think back of like what I do last January or anything, and and yeah, I got the podcast record where I can you know go back and look, but that's going to take time and everything. So we'll we'll see if I can somehow squeeze. I, I know a, a couple of things that might be my favorite already, but we shall um, see about that. As far as this week and next week, so content might be um, trimming down, slimming down a little bit. 
because like uh, this week is the last week of, of the Flash. Because I I guess it was just doing the five episode event, and then it's taking a break until sometime next year. And um, so let's see. Well, yeah, we will have one more episode of Hawkeye for next week. The following week, I don't know what's gonna, there's going to be. Uh, hopefully, Dexter. I don't even know how many episodes. I should know how many. I got to look up how many episodes of Dexter are. So with that, you know, um, hopefully. I'll be able to have something to talk about and, you know, there'll be some comics and if anything, you know, maybe it'll just be a shorter episode and I don't like I, with the all the family and activities, maybe you don't have as much time or maybe you have more time. So I, I'll try to do something. I, I guarantee I'll give you some sort of show. It might not be three hours, four hours. It might only, I couldn't even imagine doing a two hour show. That would be crazy. I, I can't remember the last time I've done that, but let's get started. Otherwise this is going to be a four hour show because I haven't even started yet. Obviously, Spider-Man is going to be the the big feature, and what I'm always hesitant about what to do with you know with these. In the past, I used to do like this would be spoiler free this week, and then the next week I'll do spoilers. But then it be, just gets to be so late, and because I understand there's probably people that you know have watched this on Thursday, just like you know I did. So to make you wait a week and a half, then by that point it feels like it's just so far off, and it's just like what? Wait, what? Spider-Man? Oh yeah, that was so long ago. So maybe what I'll do is just put, you know, just do like super spoiler free, you know, just overall thoughts and stuff like that. And then do a hard cutoff saying, okay, I'm going to talk about spoilers here. If you don't want to listen, see you next week and and so forth. Because there there's some things I want to talk about. While I won't, even though I spoil like the shows, most of them, I, I don't like spoiling the movies. It's it's a weird thing, right? I Because I, I, I want people to see the movies. But yes, I know spoilers are out there. Some people seek out spoilers before they watch the movie that is just crazy it, i don't understand it it just it ruins well we'll get more to it uh, we'll talk about that later with the the news so what do we have for news um i'm gonna start with boba fett so the book of boba fett robert rodriguez so this starts on uh december 29th so we'll have that that week so okay so i have something to talk about but robert rodriguez talked about um like the trailer net because i guess some people are like and when i watch the trailer i admit it was it was interesting. It was like okay, we'll see. The thing that kind of gets me is how we're seeing so much Boba Fett without his helmet. I totally get why. It, you know, if if I'm you know going to be in a show or something like that, I don't want to be wearing a helmet all the time. But it's just it feels like no one ever knew what Boba Fett looked like, and then we're like, oh, he's uh, literally looks like all these clones that are were you know everywhere. Even so. I, I don't know. It's just it's. It always felt like no one knew who Boba Fett, what Boba Fett looked like, you know. And that could be part of his, uh, you know. It could be to his advantage where he could, you know, if he needed to go after a quarry, uh, just take off the helmet and sneak around. But I guess that's not really his style. He doesn't really, you know, sneak around and stuff like that. He just goes in guns blazing. So I don't know. But anyways. The reason the, the trailer, the, the what we've seen, I, I've only seen a one. I don't know if there's been more than one. You know, other clips that start popping up. They said it. That's just uh, from the first few minutes of episode one. So that's why it's a little kind of kind of calm or whatever. And because Robert Rodriguez says that anything beyond those first few minutes is going to be a spoiler. So I guess like some big crazy things are happening. That sounds awesome to me. So I, I can't can't wait for that. Um, if you've been waiting to see Eternals because, you know, maybe you're just like, no, thank you. I'm not going to theaters. And, and I totally get that. You know, you, you got to be safe and everything. Uh, it is coming out on Blu-ray on February 15th, 
2022. You can watch it digitally, so on demand, on January 12th. And I'm pretty sure January 12th is also the Disney Plus day. It'll be released on Disney Disney Plus, regular Disney Plus. You don't have to pay extra for that. So it seems kind of weird. It's like a month you can watch for free, and then why would you buy the Blu-ray? But some people like the Blu-ray. Some people like physical copies. It's better because even you know if you have high definition, all that stuff like that, when you're streaming it, you're not guaranteed the best you know 4K resolution and all that. Maybe some people are like, whatever, that's fine. Uh, also, the the physical copies tend to have like you know tons of bells and I think there's like four deleted scenes in, in that. So who knows what else? But well, I mean, if you look it up, you'll probably know. I don't know because I didn't look it up. Well, am I going to buy it on Blu-ray? That's a big question, and I honestly don't know. Uh, you know, I'm I'm a sucker for a nice steel book. You know, I, I like those. I don't like the thirty-five dollar price tag that comes with the steel books. And the movie, I liked it. I didn't necessarily like love it. I wasn't like, whoa, I definitely do want to watch it again. I feel like I, I, I need to see it again. Uh, but I don't know. I'm not sure if I'm going to buy it. I still haven't bought in Shang-Chi. And I don't know. if I, I mean, I should watch that. I haven't watched that again. Every time I watch something Disney Plus, it's like, watch Shang-Chi next. I'm like, eh. I, I mean, not that not I, that was a bad eh. The, the thing is, I have so much other stuff to watch. that I, I still haven't watched Free Guy that I bought the Steelbook for. I haven't watched the Evil Dead Groovy Collection 4K set that I got. I still haven't watched American Psycho that I just bought on 4K or Scott Pilgrim I just bought on 4K. <sighs> I need more time. <laughs> but maybe if there's less content next couple weeks, I'll have time, right? Probably not. Uh, speaking of Free Guy, which I still haven't watched my copy, that will be available on Disney Plus on February 23rd, 2022. So that that's good. Uh, I'm, I'm glad. It's weird, but you know, Disney, Fox, and all that. So it, I, I, I'm dying to see this, this show, this show. I'm dying to see this movie again. I, I thought it was hilarious, but I just, just don't have the time uh, and, and or energy. I mean, yeah. Uh, Blue Beetle. Are you a Blue Beetle fan? So D- DC or Warner Brothers is making a Blue Beetle movie. It's supposed to be a HBO Max original movie, but they're like, yeah, we're not going to do that. We're going to release it in theaters instead. So it's coming to theaters August 18th, 2023. And so, so I don't know if if that means it won't be on, on HBO Max day, day of, because we're talking 2023. Thank goodness. Or not thank goodness, but hopefully good. Thank goodness. <laughs> things will be a lot better. Uh, someone just like told me that like some some experts are predicting that uh, COVID is going to go away in 2022. I hope so, but then who knows? with all these variants, I don't know, just just stay safe. Uh, so yeah, so the thing with Blue Blue Beetle is uh, I don't know how you say his name. I've I've heard it. Basically, it's Miguel from Cobra Kai. So he Zolo. I don't even know how you say his name because I suck. I suck at names. How do you think good? Must think goodness. My name is Tony. I can say my own name, right? Uh, oh, speaking of, of of Spider-Man, I should have started with this. So apparently, Sony and Marvel are actively working on or developing a Spider-Man four. So Kevin Feige has mentioned, you know, he and Amy Pascal are, are developing it. You know, trying to figure out what to do and everything. Kevin Feige said that. He doesn't want there to be like the the disconnect, like the people. I think like what happened before, where like okay, is there going to be another Spider-Man movie? What's going on? So they just want to make it clear: yes, we are working on one. Uh, the big question is, it, the confusion is, who's going to be in it? Because Amy Pascal's like like yeah, we're we're doing three more Spider-Man movies with Tom Holland, but then he's like, I'm 25. 
I, I don't think I, I, I'm going to do anymore. I don't want to do Spider-Man until I'm, I'm in my 30s because he's like, I feel like I would be doing something wrong. And I don't know what he meant by that, that if he's saying that his career, that he's still playing Spider-Man or that that's not who the character should be. Because it seems like, you know, he enjoys it. But he also, like in an interview, said that this is like the end of a trilogy. Like, you know, this is it. This is the, the last movie. And who is it? Someone said that in the next movie, things would be totally different. And, you know, without getting into what happened, it's like, yeah, you know, you can you can kind of theorize or hypothesize about that. So we'll have to see what that means because uh, yeah amy pascal was like four more tom holland and he's like yeah i don't know <laughs> so we'll have to have to see but uh, as far as a movie it apparently did 50 million dollars opening night so that is crazy and they got my 11.25 i think i paid i forget what what it's like i do i went to a four o'clock movie how's that not a matinee Maybe they they change their matinee hours. I don't I don't know. Also, I saw it on the the big screen. So my theater has two big screen theaters and then a bunch of like smaller screen theaters. And for me, I'm just like even at the smaller screen theaters is way bigger than you know anything. It's it's still good enough. It's not like a little rinky dink shoebox theater. It's it's still a decent size, but you have to pay extra to go in the big screen. I don't really need that. Uh, in the old days, I would go like center. You know mid mid back whatever you know like three-fourths of the way back it's middle but now what i do is is i usually go like this the last or second to last row but i take an aisle seat because that way i know no one's gonna be sitting and i usually for some reason i don't know why i usually go to the my left you know so i'm like there's there's no one on my left side and uh then you know you got the whole right side of the theater or whatever but i i always go to the side because that way I might, worst case scenario, get someone sitting next to me, but, you know, because they're a reclining seat, they even if someone's sitting right next to me, they are pretty far from you because you got the armrest and everything, double armrest. But, yeah, anyways, I don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> so, Spider-Man, $50 million. It's, uh, it's doing pretty well. It almost, like, broke opening night records, and, and that's awesome considering pandemic and everything like that. Yeah, so I'll talk more about how my theater was when, when, when we get to that. Uh, Wilmer Valderrama, he's going to be producing and starring in a Disney Plus Zorro series. So, yes, Fez. Fez from that 70s show is going to be Zorro. That's great. And I'm sure he's probably like, dude, stop calling me Fez. I'm not Fez anymore. I said good day. I, I love that 70s show. And, uh, yeah, I, I hope he, he appears in that. What was the other, other one's show going to be called? The, the, the spinoff? Anyways, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know anything anymore. Uh, there's going to be a Gotham Knights series. So I think it's the writers. I think I saw it said the, the Batwoman writers are doing this. So <laughs> that right there, I'm just like, no offense. <laughs> but there's been some cheesy dialogue in, in Batwoman episodes that I've seen. I, I don't watch it all the time. I got to remove it from my DVR schedule because it keeps recording. Not now because it's over, I guess. Uh, the season's over. But it keeps popping up. I'm like, no, delete, delete. I still haven't watched. I watched the first episode of what season two, and I'm just like, yeah, I don't know. And then every time I see the, the previews for it, I'm just like, oh my goodness, uh, you know, this is Red Alice and Alice or whatever, and Batwoman are teaming up, and I just I don't know what's going on. But 
<laughs> this uh, Gotham Knight series. So so Gotham Knight, Batwoman writer, CW. You know, there's a lot of a lot of red uh, red red whistles, a lot of whistles, red lights. I don't want a lot of warning signs going off. And again, if if you like that, I'm not knocking it. I'm not saying it's not good. It's just it's not for me. And I think the difference is not necessarily, but I think for you know if you're hardcore comics, sometimes it's hard to accept a slight variation. You know, I'm I'm all for the different you know incarnations or tellings and versions. I think you know sometimes it's fascinating to see what someone else would do with with something, as long as it's not too extremely different. But with this, it doesn't sound like this is going to be tied to the Arrow universe because it's supposed to take place in the aftermath of Bruce Wayne's murder, and it's going to center on Bruce's rebellious adoptive son. So no no idea. Is that Dick Grayson? I have a feeling it's not going to be Dick Grayson because of Titans. So maybe they want to go someone else. They could. I mean, it would be kind of smart in a way to have, you know, since people know the Dick Grayson character if they've watched Titans. But maybe they want to don't they want to avoid comparisons like comparing this Dick to that Dick. You know, you should be comparing Dicks. You know, that's that just seems kind of weird. You know, each Dick is is unique, and each Dick should be embraced. You know, you should love each dick that you come across. It's Dick Grayson. <laughs> dick Grayson. <laughs> this isn't um, an explicit podcast. No explicit content here. So Dick Grayson. So it, it'll probably it, they, they, they should go with Jason Todd because Jason Todd seems rebellious. And, uh, you know, but even so, you got Jason Todd from Titans. I, who knows who, who it's going to be. Maybe it's going to be like, like uh, Bruce's adoptive son, Brad. <laughs> Brad Wayne. I don't know. Um, but here's the other thing where I'm just like, oh, really? Because I, I, I can be like, okay, let's see. Yeah, maybe I'll, I'll check this out. But apparently this rebellious adoptive son is going to be forming an alliance with children of Batman's enemies. Uh, that That's... Okay. When they are... Because they're framed for the Dark Knights, the whatever murder or something like that. So is this going to be like, like a bunch of teens... You know, fighting the case or trying to solve mystery, Scooby doing stuff, <sighs> and you know maybe that that's like the demographic that CW is constantly shooting for. But there are those of us who are not teen of teen age that like this stuff. So we'll have to see because that you know. So I think I mentioned the Naomi trailer was released last week, but I didn't see it. I didn't just get around to it. I did kind of watch the the commercial when I was watching uh, the Flash, and there was one scene where I see you see a bunch of kids like out in the woods or with flashlights or something like that. So I was like, is Naomi going to have like a supporting cast of teen characters? I just. This is this is like this should be its own genre now. It's like the teenage shows, you know, like Stranger Things, or I can't think of anything else. <laughs> so great, great, great um, argument here. But I, hmm, I don't know. But there appears to be with shifting to Naomi because I got nothing else to say about Gotham Knights because <laughs> there's nothing else to say. But with Naomi, apparently there's gonna be some ties to Superman and Hawkman in the show. Uh, Naomi is apparently like running a Superman fan site. But it's not fully clear if Tyler Hochlin, uh, I don't know how to say his name because, again, I suck at names. It's not clear if he's going to be in it or not. And it seems like they're kind of avoiding confirming one where maybe it's like in contract negotiations or, you know, so they don't want to say one way or the other. And they, they don't necessarily need 
to have him there. You know, they they can do like like a Superman's appearance in uh, Shazam. If you hopefully you you've watched that, so we'll, we'll have to see. It, I think it would help the show to have him in there because I I feel I feel like people. I mean, if you're not loving Superman and Lois, you, you should. I mean, it's it's such a great show. It's it's surprisingly good. When I saw okay, they're giving Superman two teenage sons. I'm like, okay, here we go, teenage CW drama, right? It's it's a good show. I, I can't wait for this show to come back. So we'll have to see about that. But it, it's just weird that they haven't mentioned anything. Um, also, <laughs> Naomi's going to get like a mentor. This tattoo artist, I think it was a, a dude, who is a is actually an alien from Thanagar. So that's there's a Hawkman connection. <laughs> hey, girl, you want a tattoo? By the way, I got wings. Whoosh. January 11th. Jeez, we, we can watch that. So, all right. The Batman, speaking of the Batman. So, I think I mentioned before the, the Batman animated show, uh, which I didn't watch. And I, I think it was because of the Joker's design. Joker is like, this doesn't look like the Joker to me. And, and again, yeah, having different interpretations is cool and all that. Uh, so, I'm actually kind of interested in watching the show. It's like, I feel like I should watch it at some point. It's uh, originally was supposed to come out February 1st, 2022, but it's being moved to March 1st. So they're, they're pushing it a month. That's fine. You know, do what you got to do. I'm, I'm totally down with that. Um, I, I'm sure, you know, people will be fine, you know, waiting a month, you know. So we have that. Uh, Danny Elfman is going to be scoring uh, Wednesday, the Netflix show. The Tim, Bur- Tim Burton is doing that, right? I'm pretty sure. So that makes sense since they, they've been working together. I'll watch that. I'm, I'm curious. Um, I don't know. It might not be my cup of tea, but I'll, I'll be curious to see what that's about. As far as some comic news or some big things, uh, Mark Wade and Dan Moore are doing World's Finest. That's awesome. I, I like Mark Wade. You know, his, his his he's always had some good writing, and, and you know he hasn't he hasn't done a lot of like Marvel DC stuff lately. It's it's you know it seems like I'm pretty sure. I mean, I don't, unless I've completely been missing it, which I pretty sure it's not the case so i i like what he does and so i'm curious to see what he'll add to it and how this is going to fit and if it's super is this going to be like an out of continuity thing is it going to be like flashbacks that's kind of okay you know that that's a a, a slight problem for me because i i'm just big continuity kick or whatever but if we get some classic cool stories that's fine it's just that when when you say like oh this is in continuity then it's almost like, okay, I got all these comics to read. I don't need to worry about reading that right away because it's not going to impact anything else. So that that's the the slight problem that the, the series could face. The other thing is, like, we just had Batman Superman series, you know, because with the, the Josh Williamson started when we were doing the friggin' Joker who laughs, Batman who laughs, not Joker who laughs. Uh, and, and that just kind of fizzled out. You know, so it just seems weird that you know, I don't think people were really buying it or caring for it. And then there's too much. I don't know. Uh, Sean Murphy. So he's been doing doing these White Knight books and everything like that, which have been awesome. We're going to get some uh, Batman Beyond. So we're going to get to see like what he has to do or what he was going to what he has planned for that. So that's going to be cool. Um yeah, the, the, uh, if you haven't read any of the White Knight, you know, Sean Murphy, Batman stuff, it's it's just, it's been uh, amazing. It's been so like really, really good. And you know, Sean Murphy's art is just, just, just 
crazy. It's just so good. Um, speaking of crazy uh, art and everything, Alex Ross is doing a fantastic four. I haven't seen a press release for this. I, I don't think I got it. You know, I, I get the press releases for Marvel, but sometimes while I'm teaching during the day, you know, I get I get so many emails and stuff like that, and I need to filter my emails and everything. But sometimes stuff will get like buried, and I'll like look through my email later. It's like, wow, this was like like six hours ago. I got this email. How did I completely miss this? So I yeah, I haven't read anything about this, but Alex Ross is doing a Fantastic Four graphic novel, uh, full circle. And he's doing interiors, which is really cool. Um, you know, I've never had a chance to interview Alex Ross. Every single time I've uh, he, he's been at a convention, all I see is like his leather recliner chair, like sitting in the middle of his booth. And um, yeah, I don't think I've ever actually seen him there. So yeah, I, I don't know. Yeah, but I'm, I'm excited for this. I, I think his stuff's. I just wonder, like, when did he start this, and when is it coming out? Because, like I said, I haven't read a press release. And I'm sure that I know information's out there somewhere, but it just didn't reach me. So it means, yeah, you know what it means. It means I'm not doing all my homework. Uh, and then the last bit of news is there's also going to be a, a Han Solo and Chewbacca series. I don't remember getting a press release for this either. Was there some, uh, something that I just, I don't know where this was announced at. But but that that's, my question about that is, when's it going to take place because the current star wars comics are all kind of taking place between empire strikes back and return of the jedi so i'm assuming this book will not because in other comics han is still frozen in carbonite so this will be other random adventures which could be cool you know get some get a good writer or writers um get some some cool artists and um i'm down for some some han and chewy adventures so uh, it would also be interesting if if they did some Han, they, which they probably wouldn't do this, if we had adventures after Return of Jedi. You know, what happened between Return of Jedi and Force Awakens? <laughs> I can't remember my Star Wars movies now. So we'll see. But so that that's cool. That's that's good news. Congrats to everyone involved in the series <laughs> and, and Disney and Lucasfilm, the money that they'll be making. Um, but with that, that's going to be news for the week. Okay, with comic books, guess what? I have not had a chance to read everything. This was another stressful week for me. I, 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 you probably don't want to hear about it, but man. Ugh. Anyways, uh, Adventure Man number seven came out, and I need to get caught up on this. I, I can't believe it's seven. How many was in the first volume? Because so basically, my question is, how many haven't I haven't I read yet? I gotta track down my my copies and and I'll read that because I, I like this. And just the fact that, you know, it's, uh, it's Matt Fraction and Terry Dotson, you know, so I, I really, I, I feel bad. This is a book that I feel bad that I, I'm not reading. So, or that I haven't been current on because uh, it, it's just really, really, really cool. Really fun. Great art, great stories. So I recommend it. Even though I haven't been caught up. Uh, the other thing I'm not caught up on. Uh, so, so yeah, Jupiter's legacy issue six came out. Um, I think I think it's it's just issue five I haven't read, so I need to get read. I'm I should have read issue four, but that came out also. What I realized a newborn issue two came out, and somehow I didn't read issue one. I have had issue one. I was like, okay, I, I have issue one. Uh, this is by Chip Zdarsky. It's Chip Zdarsky and Jacob Phillips, and maybe I just don't understand this. But it, it's like they're. I, did they just create it, but they're not like Chip's not writing it because it's Nadia Shaman Sha, Sha, Shamas writing it, and I don't think Jacob Phillips is. I, I, I'm confused, but 
I read issues one and two, so I did get caught up on this. And basically what, what this is, is Newborn is this, uh, he used to be a cop, and he's kind of like this, he's sort of like a private investigator, but he works for like all the different mob families. So, you know, they, they, they all know this, that, you know, he's working for everyone. And he's supposedly like untouchable, you know, he's, he, he gets to the bottom of things and everything like that. And he's not, uh, shying away from what he's doing. You know, they, they all know that he's going to be doing this or this and, you know, he's working for everyone. So it's, it's interesting. And then he kind of, he takes on this, uh, assistant sort of, you know, cause she was involved with, with, with something like that. And, I, I guess I, well, the reason why is because he's um, he's very cold and he's just like boom, 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 like you know, just get the job done. So she's basically going to be the more like human size, like when when things need a softer touch or whatever. So it's 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 pretty cool. I I, I like the the two issues and and seeing like what they're getting into and 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 so forth and like how he's like treading the different areas to try to you know get some answers and you know he has connections everywhere, but you know people don't necessarily you know like him. Because uh, you know he's just because he's just cold or whatever. So some people are just like you know, you're, but they can't do anything about him. You know, so you have all that. And uh, also, there's a lot of stuff that like basically people around him don't necessarily do well. So you know, there's like apparently she was like looking into like should she take this job of working with him? And people are like just uh, be careful because people end up dying or you know around him or something like that. Okay, then there was Berserker. So Berserker, this is a. a Keanu Reeves, Matt Kent, uh, written book. So Berserker, you know, he's working with the government. He's this immortal, unstoppable, and you know, he doesn't really know what's going on. And you know, they're doing tests, and you know, I, I feel like he kind of just wants to die or whatever because you know he doesn't. He, he's just had this long existence, everything like that. But it also feels like, obviously, the government has their own, or whatever this agency has their own. Um, Motives, you know, wider. They want to conduct tests, or, you know, try to figure out like what the heck is going on, and everything like that. So we we see um, there's like plenty of action in him, like getting like nearly destroyed and stuff like that, just a healing and just you know overcoming. But there's also there was a point to um, it. We're kind of seeing like some of the downtime, and and there is like a, a reason for that. So um, we'll have to see where where this is going to go because. I feel like they may not necessarily be looking out for his best interest, and it could be kind of kind of bad if he finds out like what's going on. That you know they they might not or he might not be too too happy about that. So we'll have to see. At DC, Wonder Woman seven eighty two came out, and I kind of skimmed through it. Uh, I I never got around to reading seven eighty one or seven eighty or whatever you know and. I'm not fully clear, so I didn't see Wonder Woman's return, and you know, at at one point here, she's I guess she was with Dead Man. At first, I was like, who is this this guy that, that she's with? And he, it was just Dead Man in a, a corpse body, I guess. And uh, yeah, at one point she tries calling Steve, but you know, she has a bad reception or something like that. So he, Steve knows she's back, but it's like I don't really know what's going on. And I think the day like was there's like some Doctor Psycho in here. Now I'm trying to think back. So I I don't know. I mean, I, I want to read the series. I, I, I love the character, but th- that whole Asgard story just wasn't my cup of tea. Batman Urban Legends issue 10. So this one, 
I didn't read all of this because there's like a Tweedledum, Tweedled, D story. It's like, I don't care about that. There's another Azrael story, which I didn't care about that. Um, I like, I'm okay with Azrael. You know, I, I'm not like the biggest fan. I don't have really anything against him. But when I was like reading it, I'm just like, okay. There was a, a, a Tim Drake story, which was okay. Um, there were some, some aspects of it that didn't feel right just like batman had just like kind of like really bad attitude towards a lot of things and and yeah you know we should cut him some slack and everything like that but it, it just felt a little out of character in some ways just like some of the interaction but it was a it was a, a good ending for for that story and you know there was some some talk about tim and his new boyfriend so um yeah we, we get a little more update on that then there's joker issue 10 um, this was a, another like a flashback story. It's weird because you know this this takes place after the Killing Joke, and you know uh, Barbara's in a wheelchair. She, you know, she's recovering. Jim is like on um, psychiatric leave or whatever. You know they you know they need him to take some time off. And the the thing that's weird for me, and I, I know we need to or I need to get over all this, but the fact that we have. We're back to like older Jim, you know, what we have here. And I still, even though it feels it was so long ago, but like New 52, Jim Gordon was a little younger. You know, he actually had some like red in his hair. And, and so it's it's weird just a whole merging and, and everything like that. Because now, now it's back to like old Commissioner Gordon here. And there's some stuff with, with uh, what's his name, with uh, James Jr., and that's the thing, because like James Jr. is so young here, so yeah, it's like all this timeline stuff, and it's just it's such a great area because he's like just this little kid. So if Barbara was shot here, and then for James Jr. to age, because he must have aged at least five five to ten years from here, so then she's was shot five to ten years. This uh, I just I hate that it. it gets me hung up so much you know trying to think about all this timeline stuff because it, it shouldn't matter but yeah we, we have all that and then the, the backup story uh, is more about punchline stuff it, I kind of got a little sidetracked with that as I'm reading it, it felt like it kind of veered off uh, with you know what what they're they're trying to do with this uh, this girl Kelly who's from punchlines past you know they're trying to get some information out of her and stuff like that you know she was in in the prison with Harper when Harper wrote like went undercover and all that so yeah I I just kind of fell off of that um Teen Titans Academy I I really want to like the series but I just there's just part, it's I think it's just all the other characters there's just some of the, the kid characters that I just don't care about and maybe it's like this CW kid teenage genre thing whatever I'm talking about I don't care about all these other characters when I think Teen Titans you know there's certain characters that that I want to read that I associate with them and there's nothing wrong with creating new characters you know we constantly yes we constantly need new characters so we don't just have the same characters all the time or whatever but I just don't care about them. And and it gets to the point where it's like, okay, I only have X amount of minutes or whatever to read comics every week. Why do I want to spend my time reading about these characters that I could not or I couldn't care less about? That being said, we also get some stuff. So Roy Harper, spoiler, not really. You know, he's back somehow. And they don't really give us an answer whether this is continuing from Infinite Frontier, I'm assuming, 
but he's back and Wally's like, you know, trying to tend to his every need and everything like that. And it's just, it was a little weird, but um, yeah, then there, there's stuff with Red X and um, yeah, something like hardcore happens with, they, they the academy kind of gets attacked and some people go bad and... Um, I, I just I don't know how I feel about this Red X stuff. You know, I'm intrigued with the character. I'm curious to see who it is. But I know once we find out, it's 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 not that it's going to be a letdown, but there is something with the excitement of the unknown. You know, not not knowing who it is. It's the same thing. You know, I I, I it's not quite the same thing. But for me, the mystery of the Hobgoblin was such a fascinating story. Maybe I had more patience back then because I, I think I don't. I have 14 years in my was it a 14 year mystery where we we find it couldn't have been that long but from from his debut to when we finally found out who the heck Roderick Kingsley like and that's the thing is like once you find out who Hobgoblin is I'm like really that's it I mean I just remember reading it as a kid as a kid it was so you know who is is it Flash Thompson is it Ned Leeds and I remember it even tried making us think it was it was Jonah Jameson you know why is J Jonah Jameson carrying a, a gym bag all the time and why is he going to work out like what's going on <laughs> Jameson is hobgoblin uh, but yeah so and the same thing like well I say Wolverine's origin you know for the longest time like what's his past what's his story you know and we got Weapon X what happened before Weapon X and and then we finally find out oh he was a kid in the 1800s who was sick. Yeah, real exciting there. So I feel like once we find out who Red X is, it's it's not going to be as exciting, but we'll see. I don't know. Future State issue eight, Future State Gotham. I wasn't super crazy about this one. You know, I, I've been enjoying this. This is like one of the few Future State books that I will actually give any of my time to just because I don't want to give time to everything. And uh, there's a new Joker here, which is like some weird thing. And this story really focuses around Grifter, which is cool because I really like the Grifter character. I don't know why. I'm not like a Grifter expert. You know, I haven't read, I haven't read like all of the Wildcat. I mean, I would love to at some point read like all the the older Wildcat stories beyond the Jim Lee stuff because that's pretty much all I know. So something happens to Grifter here, which is like. I don't like that. <laughs> and if, if that's what you're going to do, then if that's what you're doing to Grifter, then I don't really care to read this book because, you know, in, in this future state world or whatever, that I don't care about that. So I don't know. <laughs> uh, Batman Adventure Continues Issue 7 came out. I'm behind on this. And I, I think what it was is I never read like the first volume or first season. I somehow I didn't finish it. So I, I, geez, I'm, I'm getting so behind. How am I getting so behind? Uh, Wonder Girl issue six was was good. Uh, we're we're seeing more of the development of Wonder Girl, and I I really like that she's she's feeling like a stronger character. So you know she's new to this like what's going on, and for a while it was kind of weird because like the the Greek gods like Hera or whoever were or Eros you know they're 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 trying to manipulate her and get her to be you know by their side and and all this stuff like that. But I, I love the fact that she's like, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm not really, uh, I'm not drinking the Kool-Aid type of thing. And there was like literally like you have to drink this and you become part of us or whatever. So I like that she wants to be her own person. And they they got ticked off by that. They're like that. We're not okay with that. So we're going to kill you now. And so I, I like that she's tough and, you know, she can, you know, fight these big mystical whatever creatures or beings. And 
and I, I love that Cassie Sandsmark is is like has a, a side role here, and you know we're also seeing like uh, Donna Troy. So I, I'm really intrigued with what they're going to do with this character because again, this is another something that came out of Future State, which I'm I'm down for this to, to see what, what they're going to do. So we'll see about that. I am Batman issue four came out. I haven't been keeping up with this. I, I think part of it is also where. So Jace Fox is being Batman, but Bat Bruce Wayne is like, does he not care? There was a mention somewhere, and he's he's. It's like I think he like acknowledged it. He knows that there's someone else out there, but he's like not trying to do anything about it. And yeah, so I feel like I should be reading those because there's going to be some confrontation or crossover or something. But I don't know. Titans United issue four. I skimmed through this one. I, I, I'm intrigued with this idea, and you know, I, I, I think it's weird. I, I like what Kevin Scott does with his, his writing, and I, I like that this is kind of like a, it's its own continuity. So this I can accept. It's like, okay, this is separate. This is uh, totally different. I'm just going to read this adventure. I don't have to. I, I'm assuming it is. <laughs> I think it is. I'm, I'm taking it as it's separate. So I like that, that I don't need to worry about where does this fit in. And I know that seems kind of weird for me to say because I've kind of been uh, poo-pooing like other things with that. But I, I liked how it's just establishing this, you know, here's this group of, uh, you know, Titans and they're fighting against, you know, here and out are dealing with Blackfire and stuff. So I, I'm, I'm intrigued with, with that. Uh, Batgirls issue one came out. This was was good. This was fine. It just uh, one thing that that I have to see how it plays out is so basically Barbara Gordon. You know they're on a because there's this anti Oracle that we've seen during Fear State, who knows like all their secrets, and this anti Oracle framed Cassandra Kane and Stephanie Brown as like murderers. You know did this like fake video or whatever. So Barbara's establishing like a new place for him because the watchtower is destroyed. So they're, they're they're supposed to be like low key and and living together, but it's also like isn't Barbara like in Nightwing? Isn't she like like a supporting character? Aren't like Barbara and Dick Grayson like officially back together? But yet she's here on the outs. I like I, don't, I I'm assuming they're in Gotham, like in some other borough of Gotham or something. So there's some some good parts, some fun parts. You know, I I remember years ago saying that they should do a book with with these these two. You know, like a Batgirls because when they I think there was another like future story. I don't even remember what it's called. I don't think it was a five years later, but they did something else where we saw that they were both Batgirl, and I was like, yeah, do this. I I would totally you know read that. And then uh, I think Joshua Williamson also did something recently, whether it was a Fear State or something like that. So I lo- I love the f- I I'm so happy that we have this book because I any book that has Stephanie Brown Cassandra Kane I think is awesome and Barbara Gordon so the the first book was was good it's off to it's it's off to a, a pretty good start and you know I'll definitely read this but I'm just curious like where this is gonna go so I I guess you know that's that's my my big question so we'll we'll see over at Marvel. What do we have? We had Amazing Spider-Man, 81. And this one, okay, so you see on the cover, it's uh, Miles being like a big old jerk, like punching him, like, you're not Spider-Man. <laughs> it, it just, I yeah, he, he just has like such an attitude. It's like, 
who are you, you know, to, to say anything? And and I get that, yes, Miles and Peter are friends or thing, but Ben, and this is why I had this is one of the issues I have with this. Ben and Peter were like brothers. And then like when he comes here, there's like this detention, and yeah, things recently, whatever, went went a little little sour or whatever. But the fact that they were so close back before Ben died and disintegrated. Uh, so it just it feels like this isn't the same Ben Riley, you know, because uh, yeah, whatever. Just how how they're writing him, um, or how he's being portrayed, like across the board. Like it's not just one particular writer, you know. It's everyone that they're saying, okay, this is how Ben Riley is. And I get that, you know, we want to establish that this isn't Peter Parker with blonde hair. You know, they they have to make him a little different. So there's still the whole thing with the Beyond organization or company corporation, and you know. What are they really up to? What do they want? But the fact is, they own the Spider-Man copyright, so that you know that's going to cause some problems. And that's one of the things is they had they they served Miles Morales. They're like, dude, you can't be Spider-Man because we own that right. So you need to you know stop, cease and desist. And so you know some of that comes up here. Basically, they're like, hey, if you see this kid, you know you need to put a stop to him because that's our intellectual property and blah 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 all this stuff. So they do. Um, run into each other there's a fight but then they end up teaming up together of course because that that's how it works and uh ben is basically like like yeah this is this kid's this is a good kid so i'm i'm not gonna turn you in or you know bring in or do it whatever and of course beyond's not gonna be happy so we have all, all that oh but then um did something happen with peter i'm trying to get the, all, all these different stories straight now so I'm trying to remember if he got up out of his... I don't think he woke up yet. Did he wake up yet? So, I don't know. But we'll have to see about that. Defenders issue four. I, I like the idea of, of this book. Um, I love Javier Rodriguez's art. I just... it the, the fact that it's like all over the place or and multiverse or time or whatever, that's what throws me off a little bit is like, you know, what, what's what's happening here. And, you know, just trying to, yeah, I guess the other question I have is like, when does this fit in? You know, if Dr. Strange is here and, you know, with, with what's going on in his book, um, that's the one thing I didn't mention in news is there's, they've revealed, which really bothers me. So I did not uh, read this press release. I, I, I was like, I didn't want to, but they announced who the new Sorcerer Supreme is going to be. And that's like a friggin' spoiler because I'm pretty sure that hasn't happened yet. Sometimes Marvel will will send a press release like the day the comic comes out or the day after, you know, right away. But I've been reading all the Death of Doctor Strange books. I'm pretty sure, and they're just like, boom, this here's a new Sorcerer Supreme. So I don't even want to, want to mention what that means. Um, but yeah, I that's just so with, with with that announced and where that story is maybe possibly going you know what's i'm assuming it's like oh death of dr strange he's going to come back somehow you know we we have this dr strange from some point in the past because dr strange had taken like two weeks of his life as a contingency so if something happened to him he can investigate things but you know that's not going to last forever so I don't know. I was and I was like, I saw part of me is wondering without having read or anything. It's, it's like, so is are we gonna just end up? Is this like younger Doctor Strange somehow gonna break the rules of however this stuff works and he's gonna be around? And so we get this like younger, younger version of Doctor Strange who hasn't experienced as much as the regular Doctor Strange. So like this isn't an event. He was never in a, a part of the Avengers. 
So, you know, there's a lot that he hasn't accomplished or seen. So I don't know. Then I realized um, I haven't read Eternals issue eight. And this is a series. And part of it is I, I want to get into Eternals, but I'm just I'm still not attached to them. And I don't I don't I'm not invested in them. So I need to, to read this one because, you know, I've read the other issues. So, I yeah, I don't know what happened here. Um, Excalibur issue 28. Apparently, this is the last issue. And I don't remember if it said anything at the end, but, you know, it does leave things hanging. So, you know, it, the story is going to continue somewhere. But it's, you know, mainly dealing with the, the war against Merlin and Arthur for Otherworld. And, you know, Betsy is is doing what she can to protect things, protect Saturnine and everything. And then there's a lot of tension uh, in Britain with the Braddock Manor with the lighthouse, which I just think is stupid and how they're like anti-mutant. And they're saying like if they do anything on – which I don't understand, like – they own the lighthouse, but they're like, you know, anything, any activity will be seen as, as a declaration of war against Britain, which is just like, just, you know, relax. So we'll have to see about that. But I'm really curious uh, what's Marcus Toe going to do after this? Because I, I, I love his art. So um, I'm glad the, the series lasted 26 issues. We'll have to see what's next. I have no idea because I'm not, apparently not reading press releases or not getting them. I don't know. Hulk issue two. Uh, so this is uh, Donny Cates, Ryan Otley. I was intrigued with the first one, the first issue. This one, I'm like, where's where's this going? And I'm now I'm I'm kind of on the fence. I mean, I'm still going to read it, but I'm just like not really quite sure what's happening. So the Hulk is being treated kind of like a starship with a uh, Bruce Banner like in a pilot seat, like in Hulk's head. It's such a bizarre concept or everything, but it's also kind of neat in a way. So he's basically controlling the Hulk's body. So it's, it's obviously it's not banners, not literally inside a giant Hulk starship. It's the persona as meant, whatever mental aspect. So, you know, there's some interesting things here and in how it's, it's being relayed and everything, but there's also some stuff like, I don't know. So, and, and then Hulk is, like, trying to go. He gets taken, and, and but then, the, like, the last page is, like, he kind of gets grabbed, like, out of this. I don't even want to, you know, give too much away. But then, it's like, who's who who grabbed him? And then they're, like, and he's, this person's, like, like, oh, what? You can talk. Well, and we see who it is, and it's just, like, what's going on here? So, I mean, it's definitely intriguing, that, that last page, but... I don't know what's what's happening here, and and, and th that has me interested. So uh, obviously, yes, I'm definitely going to keep reading. And you know, uh, Ryan Otley's art is just amazing, but it's just this a very intriguing uh, take on, on the character, and I I think that's a good thing. Again, you know, mix things up, and we've always had so many different different versions of the Hulk or takes on the Hulk. So I I think I feel like he's a character that has varied the most. I could be totally wrong, but I feel like we've had so many different like um takes on him, like different versions and and approaches. So that that's what makes the Hulk interesting is whenever you get a new creative team, you're never really sure what you're going to get, like a box of chocolate, right? Kazar Lord of Savage Landish 4 came out, so um congrats to those working on it and congrats to those who are enjoying reading it. I'm not a Kazar fan. Kazar. Uh, Miles Morales, 33. So uh, this continues like right after sort of uh, Amazing Spider-Man. So, you know, where, where Miles has been served. And, and he mentions a Genki about 
meeting the other Spider-Man and stuff like that. That he like, yeah, he's okay. And um, but then he, with the the villain that Miles and, and Ben fought, there's like some tech and and Miles like this is that that controller dude that made his life heck. That also created um, what was this other dude's name? Um, not Glurp. <laughs> Isn't that what he keeps saying? Shift. Uh, so they, yeah, they want to find it. Is he working for some? Uh, does he have a new facility? And you know they need to put a stop to him because he's obviously a big jerk. Savage Avengers twenty seven. We we kind of get some closure here with stuff with Kulan Goth. And now I'm trying to remember. Is this the last issue? Did this end on a on a clear note? So it's basically like the final battle against Kulan Goth. Finally, you know, after twenty seven um, issues. And it is kind of interesting the way no it, it does whether this is the last issue or not it does definitely leave things open like wait what are you doing what's going to happen next and uh, so there's definitely like some questions that could be answered or, or maybe we'll never get answers to those so we'll see that but it was a this has been an interesting series and it's 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 very been very ambitious as well and like kind of like going all over the place which and not in a bad way you know it's just they've been taking bold actions and stuff like that uh star wars a high republic issue 12 so this is i'm still trying to get into so it's yeah it's 12 issues but i'm, I'm still not fully attached to these characters and and i don't know what it would take for me but there's just something where I, I'm, I'm just not feeling the connection to them. So I'm trying to read and, and see all these different characters. I, I mean, in a perfect world, if I had more time, I'd, you know, I'd go back and reread all 12 issues, you know, just to really try to see like who they were in the beginning and, and how they've slowly changed over the, the past few issues, you know, with, with, from their different, you know, the couple adventures, whatever they'd have and the hardships and stuff like that. So I'm going to keep at it. I'm going to keep trying. Um, but yeah, I, I just, I'm not fully committed to these characters yet, but I want to be strange Academy issue 14. Um, so what's weird here is, you know, the one issue is like, we're going to close the school because there's no source of Supreme. So things are, you know, there's no protective charms or anything around the school, but now everything seems back to normal, except for no mention of Dr. Strange or what's going on. What, what happens here, they, they talk about like time travel and how you shouldn't abuse it. Uh, you know, Dr. Voodoo, Brother Voodoo, whatever, is teaching a class about this. And they even make a point. They're like, because they, they, they somehow get a glimpse of like Age of Apocalypse or something like that. So it's like how, you know, time was changed. And so they're basically like, oh, so un unless you're an Avenger or an X-Men, you know, everyone else shouldn't be messing with time type of thing. But then uh, Doyle... Go accidentally, you know, is they're supposed to be doing these little time jumps and you know, messing with whatever just like to, to get a practice for it, which doesn't seem like it's a good idea. Doyle, that's his name, right? Doyle is a, a Dormammu's kid. He goes like too far, you know, they're supposed to just do these little jumps, but he ends up going 15 years and sees the future and he's not happy with what he sees because he likes a. Here's her name, Emily. I forget her name. I could look it up. And uh, yeah, so he sees, uh, yeah, Emily. He sees a, a kind of dark future. Like, things don't quite go his way. And, yeah, I'm not going to say anything more about that. So, oh, and then um, on, on top of that, you know, we, we have the other kid. Now, this is the part that, that's a little annoying. So, recently, we had, what's his name? 
uh, I don't think it was Calvin, where he did some stuff and he was not that he was he, he did some bad things. And they're like, okay, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll forgive it or whatever. So now he's kind of like lost some of his his ability to magic because of you know what the aftermath and everything like that. And they're like, well, dude, you just gotta, you know, uh, Zoe like talking to him. She's like, you know, I was just, uh, or not Zoe Zelda, right? Is that her name? Zelda. She's like, I just came to Doctor Strange because I she had that thing in her head or whatever, and then now she's, you know, she became a librarian. Now she's co-running the school and everything. And he's like, you, or she's like, you just gotta, you know, start reading and get into it. And he, then he's like, I don't want to read. I just wish I could, you know, go get past this and learn magic. And he's like, oh yeah, I'll make a wish. So he goes to the that voodoo bad guy, and he's gonna try to take a shortcut. It's like you're that uh, annoying of a kid, impatient that you you don't want to put the work in. You just want everything handed to you, which I just find extremely annoying. So. And it's going to cause cause trouble, right? Because um, if if we if it wasn't, then you know we wouldn't have a hook for the, for the book. Um, the thing issue two. This is a, a fascinating story. Um, so Tom Riley's art. Uh, I just re- re- recently became a focus on on Tom Riley's art. I start you know started following him on Instagram, and I just love his character design and everything like that. And and this book is just so what the story is really weird. Uh, so Walter Mosley's writing it, and. I like, of course, my question is, when does this take place? Is this in continuity or not? But, you know, I guess it shouldn't really matter. But it's, it's just it's such a not not as a wacky story, but it's just kind of weird. And I, I just I I'm intrigued with it because I really like the thing. I like Ben Grimm. And so this is a this is a pretty, pretty interesting uh story but it's it's different it feels separate from the fantastic four so i mean it's definitely not in current continuity you know he's not married to alicia because you know there's some little um issues and that happened last time so but i i'm I'm digging it x-force 26 i didn't really care so much for this this is like the aftermath of wolverine the surfer with his adamantium surfboard which I still think that would it, that, that would be so heavy, and I don't think that would be a good thing. Because I mean, do do people ever use metal surfboards? I mean, it's I, I'm not a surf expert. Maybe it's not a, not a big deal. But he goes to like the treacherous part of Krakoa, where there's like these killer waves and everything, and he meets these other people, and then he's hanging out with this surfer bros and and the one surfer gal. And he like gives all this information. They go and they they steal these mutant babies. And all because Wolverine's a big dum dum and just opening his mouth, so now they're they're trying to get them back and and it's like whatever. And then uh, Wastelanders Wolverine, so we're getting a bunch of these. I, I guess they're one shots because I think uh, Wastelanders Hawkeye is next week, and when it's like we're going back to the wilderness or the wastelands, you know, Old Man Logan, but we know how that story ended. And so now here, it's Logan with young Bruce Jr. And we've already seen Bruce Jr. like older. And so part of it is like, you know, yeah, there, you know, there's there's some there's there's a point to this story, but at the same time, it's like it didn't. Re- I mean, it it does add something to the overall history timeline or whatever of of the characters. 
but obviously it's you know it has to stay within you know you, there's not going to be anything really huge so what the the big event that does happen here i don't think it mentions it in the i don't want to spoil that it, it's something that we didn't know happened so yeah they can easily put that in there and and have this happen but i don't know i mean it was it was i was just okay with this i, I was like really excited and um so maybe my expectations were too high. I don't know. Maybe I'm just being too harsh, but it was it was just all right. So, but I'll, I'll you know I'm gonna keep reading. Check out the the next one, which I, like I said, I think it's Hawkeye. And uh, with that, that is going to be comics for the week. All right, let's talk Dexter uh, season one. Dexter New Blood season one episode six. Too many tuna sandwiches. <laughs> so when I saw that title, I was like. What's that mean? All right, so it starts off. Harrison's chopping wood. He's feeding goats. Dexter wakes, wakes up and finds that coffee's already made. So Harrison's doing all these nice things. And Harrison is just like such a jerky kid. I can't stand this this kid. Um, he clears the snow off of Dexter's truck. And Deb's telling him that she used to do the same thing after she um, royally effed up to get on Dad's good side. And he's like, I'm not worried about Harrison ODing. I'm just worried. And he's, you know, he's wondering if uh, therapy was the right call. She says that he's doing the right thing, you know, not like what Harry did. Then he sees the application for the diner sticking out of Harrison's backpack. And Deb says, like, oh, just, you know, let him show it to you on his own. And, you know, he says, like, well, that's not a good idea. You know, my, my son working for the father of my last victim. Then Harrison comes in. He's like, oh, you know, it's pretty cool out there, but it's pretty sweet having a forest for a backyard. Uh, Dexter says he appreciates him helping with the chores, and Harrison says that he got some good advice yesterday, and he thought he'd try it out, because this is what Kurt says, like, when you're angry, just do a bunch of night things. I don't see the the point of this, uh, or what, what the objective is. I guess, so if you're so mad at someone, you do a bunch of nice things for them, and then maybe it's supposed to make them realize that they're being a big idiot, or big jerk, or meanie, or whatever. Yeah, so I, I don't know what the idea, something like that, maybe. I, I guess I can kind of see it in in a way, and and uh, maybe I've done it as well, maybe not to the, quite this extent, but uh, so he, he Harrison said he's tried out. He's like, I know I've been a little negative since you know he got there, but he you know, he does appreciate everything. Dexter mentions the application sticking out of his backpack, and Harrison says, he's like, yeah, I was going to tell you. It's like, I need your signature. And Dexter's like, if it's about money, I can you know, pay you for the chores. And Harrison's like, no, I could just you know, use some independence. He's like, I ran into Kurt, and you know, he could use you know, help doing odd jobs like washing trucks and stuff like that because you know, I guess the diner's at a, a, like a truck stop. Dexter's like, you know, I don't think the truck stop is the best place for your first job, and you know, it might not be safe. Harrison's like, well, I spent a lot of a lot of time at truck stops on my way here. It's like, oh, you're cool, okay. And then uh, Dexter's like, you know, I don't always get the the best feeling from Kurt Caldwell. And Harrison's like, Kurt, maybe I know him better than you, which is like s- such a stupid thing. Harrison's been in in town for like what two weeks or something like that. I mean, maybe there's been some time that has gone by. He hasn't been there that long. Dexter has built his whole life there, so you know he was there possibly for years you know we we haven't really been told how long so he could have had many many run-ins with kurt he could know all about kurt he could know stuff about kurt that that harrison doesn't know and he's like maybe i know him better because i had a a dinner with him you know he bought me dinner and i've talked to him it's like you're such Mm." and then he's like are you gonna sign this or not and Dexter's like, you know, we can work something else out. He's like, you know, maybe some work weekend hours at Fred's. And Harris is like, you abandoned me, and now you, you get to make all my decisions. 
and he starts like walking out of the kitchen of his room. Then he turns around. You know, I didn't go to therapy yesterday. I talked to Kurt. He's the one who convinced me to, to do your stupid effing chores. You should be thanking him. He's like, I'm taking a job. It's like this kid. So it's like if you just have such a problem with Dexter and his rules, why did you seek him out? You know, or, or why are you staying with him? It's like, dude, okay, yeah, he abandoned you and there's, you know, there may be some uh, unclear, you know, why that happened and what's going on and all this stuff like that. If he doesn't want to live by the rules, he doesn't have to live there. Yeah, so he, I don't know. Anyways, so, but the, the thing is, Dexter wonders why is Kurt Caldwell suddenly so interested in his son? Kurt is in his um his operating room area thing whatever so he has Chloe on the table so she's dead he looks at a, a video of her face and he's making this like plastic cover for like the bullet wound it's like kind of crude he's like not happening and he's like effing waste and he starts like punching her face and like the the, the plaster thing it, like into her face like over and over so he is clearly like he's unhinged Dexter uh he's driving then he gets pulled over by Angela. And, uh, you know, she was driving the opposite direction with her lights on. And she turns around, pulls him over. He assumes it's like their normal thing where, you know, she pulls him over and then they, they have sex in the car. She asks for his license registration. He reaches for the glove bar box and she's like, not that one. And she pulls out a sheet of paper. She's like, the one for Dexter Morgan. And she tells him, she's like, drive directly to the station. She's like, I'll follow you so you don't get lost. And Dexter's silent, but he has like a, like, oh, crap, look on his face. At the station, Angela, like, silently walks past everyone in there. And they know she's angry. She goes in her office, closes all the blinds, pulls a chair up in front of her desk, and Dexter sits down. He's like, you know, technically faking your death isn't a crime. And she's like, that's not what this is about. She's like, you've been lying to me since the first day we met. And he's like, it has nothing to do with you. And she's like, are you running from something? He says that he was running. He was running from death, from all the killing. He's like, you know, my wife, Rita, Harrison's mother was murdered. He's like, then my sister, Deb. He's like the closest person to me in the world. It was, it was all too much. He says that he knows um, she understands what grief is, what, what it does to you because of her husband and Iris, but she's stronger than he is. He couldn't go back to homicide with all the blood and violence, violence and the, the hopelessness. He couldn't be Dexter Morgan anymore because he felt like he was cursed and he couldn't get past that curse or he, he didn't want to pass that curse down to Harrison. So he drove his boat into a hurricane and he just wanted to die. But somehow he survived and he took it as a sign that he could start over. So he did this as Jim Lin Lindsay. Um, and then for the um, first time since he left Miami, he's like happy. He never thought that that'd be possible. And, and he's like his life with her and not with Harrison, this is what he's always wanted. And, you know, he's sorry that he lied to her. He never meant to hurt her or anyone, but she's like, every time that I called you Jim, it was a lie. And he turned her life into a lie. She also mentions that he abandoned Harrison and he says that he's trying to make that right. She's like, well, maybe you can't. And he's like, it's no wonder he's having so much trouble. And she's, she says that you know, Dexter's issues are becoming his issues. And she's like, if you want a relationship with him, you need to fix that. And he's like, I am. He's like, I got him into therapy. And she's like, maybe you're the one who needs therapy. She's like, if you want to have a relationship with him or anyone, and he's like, are you breaking up with me? And she's like, all, all I know is that relationships are built on trust. And she's like, how could I ever trust you, Jim? or Dexter, or whoever the F you are. He suggests, he's like, why don't we talk about it over dinner tonight? And she's like, I don't want any more time with Jim right now. And he gets up, and then he's like at the door. He turns around. He's like, 
are you going to keep this secret? And she like scoffs. She's like, oh, God, just go. So, I, I mean, this right, right here, it, it'd be kind of weird if, if all of a sudden, you know, someone you're in a relationship is like, oh, by the way, that's not my name. I'm, I really had this other life. But it's not like, you know, there, there's reasons for it. And I don't know. I mean, you know, originally I, I lived my whole life in, in Chicago suburbs. So it'd be like what if, if I never told someone that I grew up in, in the suburbs of Chicago and I, you know, if they assumed I lived in California, I don't know. It, it, it's not like, yeah, he's lying and he has a different name, but people change their names. And outside her office, you know, he wonders who could have found him out, you know, like, and, you know, Molly walks by. So he's like, could it have been a true crime obsessed podcaster from out of town? So she walks into Angela's office and says that, you know, the best version of story is if Kurt had something to do with Matt's disappearance. Angela, like, doesn't know what she's talking about. And she says, you know, since Kurt doesn't know that they're working together, she could interview him and get him to lie or confess. Angela's like, that's the last thing I need right now is you, you know, spooking a suspect before we can even build a case. And she's like, well, I'll be professional. I'll wear a wire. She's like, he'll never know. Angela insists. She's like, you, you, you need to stay away from Kurt. She's like, do not talk to him. Do not go near him. And she like Molly pauses and she's like, fine. So Kurt's upset, you know, he could be because of his Chloe. I don't know what he wanted. I don't know what he does with the victims and like why he wants to shoot him in the back and why he's mad that her face was whatever. So at the truck stop, he sees a girl asking for some uh, money for like passerbys, for, you know, asking for a few dollars. He goes up to her, takes out his wallet. He's like, oh, I'm Kurt and I own the place. And she's like, oh, I'm sorry. I was like, I, I'll leave. He's like, no, no, no. I just want to make sure you're all right. It's like, do you need something to eat You know, and a few bucks? He takes out some money. She's like, oh, that's so sweet. She's like, my name is Winnie. And she's like, I'm from Maine near the Canadian border, but I'm, you know, head, we're headed to San Diego. He says that, you know, he has to finish up, but he can give her a ride someplace to move her closer. She's like, that's great. And then this dude calls out to her. He's like, Winnie, he's like, I got us a ride all the way to Indianapolis, but we have to leave now. And Kurt's like, so she's like, you know, she's thanks for the, for the money or whatever. She's like, you're a really good guy. She gives him a hug and he looked really pissed now. So, you know, she had a boyfriend, you know, he thought she was alone. He thought here's another victim that he's going to get. But it didn't work out. Boo-hoo, Kurt. Harrison comes up and he thanks him for the talk and he's, he says he wants a job. He gives an application. Kurt's like, oh, I noticed your father didn't sign it. And Harrison's like, uh, yeah, he's like, but I don't give a poop. You know, and Kurt's like, he asked him if he could start tomorrow, which I mean, Kurt can't hire him if his dad's not going to sign. But Harrison says, he's like, oh, I have a big wrestling match. He's like, it's the first one. And Kurt's like, oh, he's like, I don't know you're on a team. He's like, I'm a big supporter. He's like, my son was captain. He's like, you can start the day after. And, you know, he's like, if I can, I'll try to make the match. At Fred's, Dexter's looking up Molly's podcast. So he's wondering, you know, could she know the truth about him? He listens to some of like the Bay Harbor Butcher episode. And she goes on about how there are so many bodies in bags. And, you know, they were criminals who had gotten away with, you know, something. So it's, it's some Batman level vigilante poop. And, you know, this is why the Miami police came to believe that the butcher was one of their own, Sergeant James Dokes. Um, which I, I totally forgot that that he he framed Dokes. He's like, what if they were wrong? A guy in Reddit said that he was working on some ops with Dokes when he was and he was out of the country doing classified poop when some of the killings took place. So Dokes got blown up in a cabin before he could get arrested. So she's like, you know, maybe Miami Metro doesn't want to investigate the biggest case in their history, but she effing does because if she's right, the Bay Harbor Butcher could still be out there. Dexter thinks that, you know, maybe she's Angela's source, if, you know, so is she coming for him? 
it just i i mean i don't know about this whole swearing thing and i don't feel like i'm a prude i'm looking at it's like does it make a difference so like when people say the, the s word i say poop is kind of like a joke because i think it's so ridiculous it's just a word but i feel like when i when i'm presenting content i don't think my lack of swearing is making the presentation less appealing does if i started swearing left and right does that make it more real whatever i don't know i i just i just have real issues with this and uh yeah, I know someone who like swears all the time. It's like I don't think it's really appropriate. And and yeah, I mean, I do swear. Believe me, trust me, I do swear. But I just don't. I think there's certain situations where you shouldn't. And I I feel like if you do, I don't know. I mean, that's just my opinion. Anyways, at school, this is it was kind of silly. Everyone's like staring at Harrison as he walks down the hall. It's it's it was pretty ridiculous. Audrey comes up to him and asks how he is. Uh, you know, is his dad pissed? And she says that. You know, he's becoming a bit of a legend. And then she's like, you know, maybe they can hang out tonight if he's not grounded. You know, something mellower, like, you know, studying for the, the chem quiz. So he's like, yeah, yeah. And then he gets a text from Dexter saying that, you know, he's picking up from school and taking him to therapy. So Harrison's like, he tells Audrey that he can't hang out. I was like, okay. But it's like, shouldn't you be just be honest with her? You know, just say you're grounded. And instead of, you know, because then she, is she going to think he's hiding something? Harrison and Dexter both talked to the therapist. So, like, you know, what what does Dexter want to get out of this? You know, the therapist asks. And he says that, you know, something, he says some stuff. And then he's like, you know, maybe learn to communicate better. Therapist asks Harrison about that. He says that, uh, Harrison's like, their prom started before he got there. He's like, it isn't easy being his son. He says that when he was five, his stepmom told him that his dad was dead. So then he left the country. And then she died too, but for real. Then he went into foster care, which was its own hell. And he would lie awake at night and dream his dad was alive. Then one day he found a letter that uh, Dexter wrote to Hannah saying that he was alive and that he abandoned him. He, he wasn't coming back. So when he was old enough, he, he took off. He wanted answers. He wanted to look him in the eye and ask him how he could pretend that he didn't effing exist. So there's been bumps in the road since he's gotten there. And maybe that's why. Maybe that's why he got high, too, to forget all, about all this poop for a while. And it's just like Harrison, you're being, you're, he's totally manipulating the thing because he knows that Dexter is lying about Jim Lindsay. So, you know, he knows he can get away with, with saying more stuff. Dr. Morris uh, asked Jim how he would respond to this. And, you know, he says it was a difficult time for everyone. You know, he wishes things could have been different. Morris thanks him for his honesty, but for this work, he's going to have to dig a little deeper. So it's just, uh. in her office, Angela wonders what Kurt's hiding. Logan knocks on the door. And says that if she ever wants to talk about anything about Jim, and she's like, nope. And she's like, but what I do want to talk about is Matt Caldwell. Back to the therapy, Morris says that you know he was thinking they could talk about Dexter's past, about Jim's past, his childhood. Uh, so then Deb talks to him and whatever, says some stuff. Dexter says you know it was a typical childhood. He was adopted when he was young. He doesn't remember much before that. Morris says that they both share abandonment issues. So pain like that shapes a person for years. So he says his, uh, his, his adopted mom died when he was in high school. His dad, Harry, was great. So was Deb, his sister. He went to college. He got a job. He married Harrison's mom. Marriage sort of fell apart, and he ended up moving around for a while. And Harrison looks at him, and he's like, the marriage fell apart? Then he tells Morris, he's like, my mom was killed by a serial killer. And Dexter's like says that you know he was so young he doesn't remember anything about it. Do you? He's like no. So he's like just a messed up poop that he heard online. So Morris asked Jim 
how does he feel about what happened back then? And he says that, you know, it was a long time ago. He guesses that he's made his peace. And Morris asks Harrison how he's feeling now. And he's like, abandoned. And Morris starts talking and Harrison clarifies he feels abandoned here on the couch. Oh, my goodness. Logan and Angela talk about the hotel and like someone else, you know, checking in for, for Matt. Logan says that, but when, you know, he lost his dad in a car crash, Matt and Kurt were there for him, like all the way until, you know, he got to the police academy. And she's like, you have to say objective. And Logan says that, you know, Kurt pushed for the search. And she says he did until he didn't. So like, when did that happen? So the, the next day they were going to search by Clark Caves. So Kurt wanted them to stop looking, you know, maybe because Matt or Kurt wanted him to stop looking because Matt was alive suddenly. And then um, she says, or maybe there's something out there that he didn't want them to find. Logan's kind of incredulous about that. He's like, she's like, well, what if Matt's dead and Kurt's hiding his body out there? You know, maybe it wasn't on purpose. You know, maybe Matt comes home drunk after being on a bender, confesses to killing the deer, wants daddy to bail him out again. Things get heated. Kurt, you know, lied for a reason. So they're going to search by the caves tomorrow. And they remember, then they remember he's coaching. So she's like, oh, I'll ask Teddy if he's up for it. He's like, uh, you know, he's like, oh, no, because Teddy's kind of a, a, a buffoon. But Logan's like, no, 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 because, but he can't be there because he's got the wrestling. Dexter um, makes a big meal, like steak and all fixing and stuff like that. Harrison just picks up his plate and he says he's eating in his room, cause, in his room because he has homework. And Dexter's like, come on. And he's like, let's talk. And Harrison's like, He's like, you won't talk, you know, real poop and therapy. So why would this be different? Then he takes out his phone and looks at, at the podcast page. You know, Dexter looks, looks at the phone. He's like, I can't just be another episode. Then he calls Logan to see if he wants to get a drink. So they're at, at the bar or whatever. Um, he says that since he's known her longer, maybe he has some tips on how to patch things up with, with Angela. Logan smiles. He's like, you came to the right guy. He's like, I let her, I've read a lot of books about this. He's like, you know, don't jump into a rebound relationship. He's like, you have to have a, a trust chat, schedule time and talk about what it means to trust each other. And Dexter's like, this is good. He's like, Molly is lucky to be dating you. And he's like, yeah, yeah. And then he, he mentions that they broke up. He thought they had a connection. So then Dexter's like, if, if she's not there, for him, why is she sticking around since Matt is alive and all? Is she working on a new story? Logan says, uh, that's a good question. She and Angela have been meeting and working on something. So Dexter thinks that um, he's doomed because you know, Angela hasn't said anything about this. Audrey's in a room playing her dad's guitar. Someone starts breaking in a window. Like you see like the window open up. There's like a gloved hand. So she grabs some nunchucks and it's Harrison. So he's just like walks, helps himself. He's just climbing into her bedroom window. And she says that, uh, she's like, you know, my mom's a cop, right? And he's like, you know how to use, use nunchucks? And she says her mom showed her a lot of Bruce Lee movies when she was little. He says he couldn't sleep. He thought maybe they'd want to talk. And he says he went to therapy. Uh, he went to the therapist with his dad, and it just seems so useless. He's like, he's so angry, like all the time he can't shake it. She says she'd be mad too if her dad dumped her, her biological mom just so he could do his own stuff. And he says he thinks about hurting people. Like with Ethan, she's like, well, that was different. You know, you had to, you know, you, you saved everyone. He's like, but that wasn't my first time hurting someone. It's like on his way up, some a-hole tried to touch him while he was sleeping on a, at a bus station. And she's like, you were protecting yourself. And he says, you know, I think about hurting everyone all the time. And she's like, 
I get it. It's like, you know, my own bio mom left me. That kind of rejection is hard to shake. So, it, you know, it's hard not to feel mad at the world all the time. It was just, you know, her and her dad for a while. Then he met Angela, thank God. They married and she adopted him, thank God. And so she finally had a real mom. Then her dad died and then that anger set in. So she's like, mom, Angela, you know, brought her here to this beautiful place where she had family. So she thought that she found her people with the Seneca Nation, but because her mom was white and only her dad had Seneca ancestry, it feels like she doesn't belong anywhere. And she said, you know, we're both outsiders, but it doesn't have to destroy us. And then they start kissing. And um, you can see as they like lean, you know, start laying down on the bed, he has a straight, straight, straight razor in his back pocket. Angela comes into Audrey's room in the morning because she's like, I have to go into work early. And she's shocked to see Harrison lying in bed with her. And he's like, uh, hi, Mrs. Bishop. And she corrects him. She's like, that's Chief Bishop. She's like, get dressed and go to my car. So then she knocks on Dexter's door. She's like, your son was in my daughter's bed this morning. And Dexter's like confused. And she hisses. She's like, handle this. So Dexter tells him that he can't just sneak out in the middle of the night. Um, and then he's like, you can't. And Harrison's like, did you even know I was gone? And it's like, oh, my God, what an annoying brat. And Dexter says nothing. He's like, so you had no, no idea, zero. And Dexter's like, do you think I stand over your bed and watch over you all, all night, my teenage son? Is that what you want? And at this, Harrison has no answer because Harrison's being such an idiot. It's like if a kid sneaks out, it's because you trust a kid not to do that. You trust them not to go out and do something wrong. And so he's mad because Dexter had no idea. And then when Dexter's like, do you want me like watching over you all the time? He's got nothing to say. So he's just going to walk out, out of the room. <laughs> and, and so it's like, I feel like my eyes are like about to roll out of their sockets at this point. So then Dexter asked Deb, he's like, you know, what should he do? And she's like, if, you know, if he doesn't know, she certainly doesn't. And she says that what she does know is that she hopes that they use protection because, and she starts laughing. She goes, because you're not ready to be a grandfather. <laughs> Uh, so then he says at least he um, doesn't have to have the sex talk with her. Deb's like, yeah, that would have been awful. And she's like, there isn't much to say. You know, let things calm down, feed him some breakfast, and you know, take care of the Molly situation. And he says that he can't let Molly take all this away. So is he going to kill her? At the bar, the restaurant place, um, he sees uh, Molly uh, in deep conversation. He's a serial killer podcaster in deep conversation with the man whose son he killed. So Dexter walks up to the bar and makes some small talk. And he asks, you know, he's like, what are you two cooking up? And Kurt's like, oh, we're just shooting the poop. You know, so it's not every day you get to talk to a real radio star. And she corrects him. Uh-uh. She's like, podcaster, radio is dead. It's like, okay, really? But the thing is, <laughs> I still think they're putting too much emphasis on a podcast. Uh, it's like, anyone can have a podcast. I have a podcast. Uh, I'm not, you know, I'm radio, having, I think it's harder to have a radio show than to have a podcast. Uh, you know, with the radio show, you're probably hopefully making money. Me with the podcast, I'm not really making a lot of money. I'm not really making, you know, so that's why I keep asking for patron support. Anyways, it's just so funny how she's just like, print is dead, radio is dead. So Dexter orders a pastrami and rye because he heard that too much tuna was bad for you. So that's the name of the episode. So he sits at the table and he watches until he leaves. And then, oh, so what he did is he plugs in his phone because there's like a, a cord at the bar and that's what it's for. So you can charge your phone. So he left his phone charging, but he had it recording their conversation. So he had like the voice memo recording everything they said. So pretty smart, Dexter. 
So Dexter's following her as she drives and he's like listening to their conversation. She says that, you know, it was Kurt's son that brought her to town. She says that, you know, she went to the, the Gramercy Suites to interview him and he wasn't there, even though Kurt said that he FaceTimed him. So Dexter knows it's not him, but it's the last thing he needs is for her to do a Where in the World is Matt Caldwell episode. Kurt um, admits that he's like, ah, you got me. He's like, Matt was never in New York City. So he lied about FaceTiming with him. The truth is, his F up son, F up of a, a son, showed up at his lodge. He was drunk and he was a real mess. And this was after all the good people looked for him out in the cold. And she's like, well, why the lie? And he's like, he didn't want the tribe coming after him for shooting some stupid white deer and half the people pissed off because they went searching for him. So she's like, well, where is he now? And Kurt's like, he's hiding out at, at my cabin. And Dexter is like, that's that's a lie. And, you know, he Kurt's like the, the cabin's been in his family for four generations. It's kind of off the grid. No one really knows about it. And he suggests he's like, let's make a deal. And she's like, I effing love making deals. It's like, do people swear like this all the time in real life? Um, he says, he's like, what if I take you out to the cabin and you can ask him whatever? And he's like, the only thing is you can't tell anyone where you're going or where Matt's hiding. And especially not the local, you know, police department, at least not until uh, his side of the story is out. And she's like, yes and yes. So Dexter wonders like, what the heck is Kurt doing? So, I mean, it seems a little suspicious. So he stop, uh, uh, stops a little ways back and he sees a cabin. He's like, no electrical wires. There's a generator, propane tank for power. It's as off the grid as they come. He, he thinks this is serial killer 101. Then he sees them like outside the house. Kurt opens like the bunker doors, like to go down in the basement part. And Dexter thinks that it wouldn't be his fault if Molly disappeared. It'd be almost poetic. So she goes down the stairs. Kurt closes the door behind him because, you know, it is cold outside. He says that uh, Matt is just down the hall, and he starts leading the way. So he knocks on the door, and he's like, are you decent? It's like, someone wants to talk to you. And um, she's he, her, her, her radar, her, she's going out. Her, she pulls out like a little thing of mace from her purse. Kurt says, oh, you know, you know behind uh, Kurt's door. Or she pulls out the mace behind Kurt's back. So then Kurt's like, oh, Matt must have his headphones on. And so you can see she's a little nervous. And then the doors behind her open up. And Dexter comes out. He's like, oh, is everything all right here? And you can see Kurt's not happy. He's like, yeah, I was driving by. I saw some people by the cabin. I want to make sure it wasn't a bunch of high school kids breaking in to party or something. And then Kurt's like, oh, that's awfully nice of you, Jimbo. And you know, he's like, what brings you to, to my neck of the woods? And Dexter's like, oh, I was just driving, blowing off steam. You know, kids making him crazy. And he asks, he's like, what are you doing here? And Kurt's like, oh, I was just showing her the place. And he's like, we're just heading out now. And she's like, no, Matt's here hiding out. And Kurt said, I could interview him. Dexter's like, Matt's here? He's like, oh, I'd love to say hi. And Kurt's like, uh, and then he's like, let me see it. And then he knocks a couple of times, like on a door frame, like barely like, he's like, the kid must have left. And then Dexter just like kind of darts around, around him. He's like, oh, we came all this way. You might as well check. And he like opens the door. He turns the lights on and he's like, wow. So he notices right away that the door locks from the outside. That there's like no doorknob inside. And he sees a camera. He's like, oh, Kurt likes to watch. He's like, could Kurt be the killer that Angela's been looking for? And then Dexter says like, oh, you know, Harrison would really love a place like this. He's like, you know, how long did it take to put the room in? And Kurt's like, oh, I don't really remember. And Dexter's like, checks out the bathroom. He's like, oh, a jacuzzi. And Kurt, um, Kurt thanks him for like watching out. He's like, you know, I'd love to pay you back. And Dexter's like, you know, that's the nice thing about Iron Lakes, you know, whatever. Then he asks uh, Molly if she would like him to drive her back since Kurt's home and all. And she quickly is like, yes, please. 
So they start walking out. Then he asks Kurt. He's like, <laughs> he's like, do you want me to close this? And Kurt quickly is like, no, 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 that's okay. Because <laughs> if Dexter were to close the door, he'd be locked in there. So that was kind of funny. And then as they leave, he's he's uh, says he's like, this thing about Matt stays between the three of us. And he, Jim, Jim Dexter's like, you betcha. But it's like, wouldn't Kurt be worried? He's like, uh, he's dating Angela, and whatever. So Kurt pot, paces a bit, and he punches a hole in the wall. And he punches it a few times. But it's like, he's wearing gloves. It's like, the wall doesn't look that solid, you know, but whatever. So Angela and Teddy snowmobile to the caves. They split up um, inside the caves to you know, start looking around. Molly talks to Dexter. She says that, you know, before he showed up, it really felt like she was going to be an episode of her own podcast. And Dexter thinks, like, you have no idea. So she says that she's really glad that he showed up when he did. And she asks what he thinks is up with Matt. And he's like, I don't know. And she says, it's just weird. I think weird. Of course, you know, she has to swear. He says that, or she says she knows it's a poopy thing to ask, but Angela told her, to stay out of the whole Kurt Matt situation. And he's like, mum's a word. And then she's like, you know, for the record, I hope you and Angela work your poop out. And he's like, me too. Dexter thinks that he's look, looks like the, the good guy to Molly and Kurt's the serial killer that she's after. Then he thinks that, you know, it's never good to kill a member of family of a serial killer. His phone chimes. It's you know, just like a, a alert. Harrison's rustling map. He's like, poop. So he forgot about that. Angela's still in the cave. She calls the Teddy, um, uh, they, they find like a man-made looking wall. So she starts picking, you know, there's a bunch of like rocks like stacked there. So they start picking away at it. And then uh, there's like a little hole. She throws like a little light thing in there to try to look inside. Harrison sees Dexter walk into the gym. And then uh, Tess calls him up to the top because it's like the best seats in the house. And you get the, the back, you know, whatever. Um, Angela ties a rope to herself just in case. So she climbs into the hole they made, crawls a little ways, And then she finds this other like big cave. And she looks around. There's a pile of stones. She starts digging. And she finds a foot. She's like, Teddy, get in here now. Kurt shows up at the gym. Logan uh, tells Harrison, the guy he's going up against, made it to state finals last year. And Kurt's like, oh, that was last year. He's like, you got this kid. So the guy that he's wrestling is like pretty solid. You know, Harrison's not, not the biggest kid. You know, Logan uh, tells Harrison, he's like, you know, just getting through the match is a win in my book. So Dexter looks at uh, the cheering crowd and thinks he's like encouraging teenagers to commit acts of violence on each other. He's like, normal people are just so strange. So the other guy tells Harrison, he's like, I'm going to rip your effing head off. And Harrison uh, starts off. He gets a couple of points because I think they went out of the ring or something like that. So then he's on top as the other dude's like kneeling. Um, he gets like head head butted or whatever. And Logan yells at the coach like, that's illegal. And the other coach is like, oh, it's just wrestling. Then Harrison looks pissed. You know, his, his eyebrows like bleeding. So Harrison makes a move, but then the the ref stops him because, you know, he's like about to go after him. Dexter gets up, a test stops him. He's like, no parents on the floor. He's like, well, why is Kurt down there? And she's like, he's been a sports booster forever. He, I mean, he's practically the assistant coach. He gets a pass. So Angela and Teddy are still digging, whatever. Um, Logan puts a little bandage in Harrison's temple. He says, like, you know, not to be scared. He's like, I'm not. I'm pissed. And Kurt comes up. He's like, he's like, use that anger. He's like, unleash it on that a-hole. So Teddy says, like, he's like, that's not Matt. You know, that's not even male because when they, they see the body. And Angela sees, like, a bracelet. And he's like, do you know her? And Angela's like, it's Iris. So she finally found her friend after all these years. Uh, Harrison and the dude struggle. Harrison manages to flip him over. He's like pinning his arm. And the guy like starts crying out, like taps out. Then Harrison like still doesn't release a hold. And Dexter sees this. And then Harrison snaps the arm. 
And Kurt's like, oh, and the ref like pushes Harrison off. Uh, both teams come running out. Logan pulls uh, Harrison away, and Dexter stands up. He's like, my son's dark passenger makes a very public appearance again. So Harrison uh, pulls away from Logan. Kurt comes up to him. He says, like, you did good. He's like, I'm proud of you. You did good. So proud. And he, like, hugs him. Dexter shoves Kurt, tells him to give it a rest. Then Logan and Harrison wonder, like, what's going on. Logan's like, he says, the two of you just need to go now. And then a uh, visiting team dork is like, hey, Effer, you better watch out. It's like, whatever. Angela and Teddy come out of the cave, and, and she like, she picks up her phone to call someone. Dexter goes after, uh, you know, Harrison's walking down the hall. He's, like, storming off, and he like, he's like, it's okay. And he's like, what's your problem with Kurt? And Dexter's like, I just don't like him. He's like, why? He's a good guy. He he cares about me. He doesn't just accuse me of being an effing psycho. It's like, dude, you just snapped the guy's arm. <laughs> When you unnecessarily, Dexter's phone's ringing, and he's like, "Just answer it." Dexter, like, you know, passes on a call. He's like, "If Kurt cares so much, what did he say before you broke that kid's arm?" And Harrison's like, "Nothing. He 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 said just just go go get him." And he's like, "It's called coaching." And Dexter's like, "He told you to hurt him, right?" His phone rings again. He's like, "That's Angela." He's like, "I have to take it." And Harrison's like, "Oh great." It's like you told him to answer it. And he walks away, and he's like. It's Jim. Are you okay? And she's fighting tears. She's like, I don't need Jim. I need Dexter Morgan. It's like, uh-huh, Angela, getting all snippy. It's like, you do need Jim Dexter Morgan. Oh, my gosh, Harrison. <laughs> but at least things are, are I mean, the, the show is like, uh, it's it's keeping things going. Um, but yeah, Kurt's Kurt is off the rails. So that was a uh, this week's Dexter. I mean, th- things are happening, which is good. It's not just like slow pace. Oh my goodness. Okay, with the Flash season eight, episode five, Armageddon part five. So Joe's talking to Barry on the phone. He's like, "Of course I'm really here." So you know, Barry finds you know timeline change, whatever, because Joe was dead. Now you know he's alive. So Flash zips over and he hugs him. He tells him that Thon changed things to make him think he went crazy. He created a reverse Flashpoint. He tells Joe that he died, and he's like, "See him again." He's like, "I can finally breathe again." Then a voice behind him says, "Nothing like a second shot at life," and it's Damian Dark. And strangely, Barry's just like standing there staring at him just so it can fade into the opening credits. It's almost like the, like the soap opera, like fade out to commercial. Uh, so Joe asked Barry, he's like, why is there a supervillain in my living room? And Damien's like, thank you. <laughs> I guess because he called him a supervillain. He's like, I'm not here to cause trouble. And Barry's like, how are you still here? And he's he says that he doesn't know. His theory is that you know, he was connected to the time portal that Barry used that, to bring him to 20. So it brought him to 2021 also. He figures that things will catch up to him and he'll fade away. And that means he'll die. But his daughter, Nora, will live. Or that hasn't happened yet. And you know, he's like, maybe, you know, if he had the time stone. So Barry zips and he gets it. And Damien's like, you know, he thanks him. He's like, you know, I'm no hero. He's like, I'm just a dad. And, he, you know, so he wants to do the right thing. Thon appears at the CCPD. The cops like reach for their guns. They tell him to freeze. And he's like, for what? He's like, I haven't even done anything yet. Then he makes a move and they all start shooting at him. It's like, do you not know who you're going up against? It's like, there's what's the point? Barry sits at Star Labs with the others and you know tells them what happened. Iris is like, yeah, the last few days have been boring. And Caitlin clarifies it in the future. It's like, Frost and Chilblain were married? And, and Allegra's like, well, what about me and Chuck? 
And, you know, like, you know, what were they doing? Not not saying that they were together. But Barry's like, I'm not too sure since, you know, we weren't exactly teammates. He's like, I do know that Chester built the energy absorption tech that, you know, that helped save the world. And he goes and grabs it. So Chester admires, he's like, oh, future me, this is some really good work. Then he's like, oh, is it okay for me to have it? I don't want to cause a, a Chester P point. <laughs> then Iris gets a news alert on her phone. Thon is at CCPD. <laughs> So I guess her her news site finds things out before Team Flash or even before Joe. So Joe's not a police officer anymore. I feel like I missed that. So he's also sitting with them. So Iris finds out the, about Thon before anyone else finds out. <laughs> Thon um, zaps uh, the police like while and they're they're lying on the floor. It's just staring at him. And he uh, says that he did that to draw out your hero. And then you're like. You want a hero? And then Mia Smoke, or Mia Queen, whatever you want to call her, she drops down from the ceiling, and she's like, where did she come from? How did she get up there? She like does this like spin kick thing that knocks him down, and she aims an arrow at him, and he slowly gets up. He's like, you. And it's like... He, he whispers how normally he'd be thrilled to meet the great green arrow, but today he doesn't have the time. And she's just like, where's William? And he's like, who's William? And she's like, wrong. He like whispers all the time. And she's like, wrong answer. She's about to let go of the arrow. Um, but then he's his, he starts flashing red a little bit. He's like, he's like, it's a little temporal fade or something like that. And he looks like he's going to, he's not going to be in a timeline much longer. So she asks again, she's like, where's my brother? And he zaps her and she goes flying against the wall. And he runs up and grabs her by the throat. He's like, no time for family drama. And she's like, sorry, kid. And he vibrates his hand like he's going to like squash her heart, whatever. But then Barry arrives, knocks him over. He goes you know, sliding across the room, hits the wall, the other wall. Barry slowly just looks at Mia and slowly walks towards Thon. He's like walking at the OK salute, whatever, OK. He's just like walking. It's like, you got super speed. He's got super speed. He tells him, stay down. Thon stands up and puts out his hand. He's like, I didn't come here to fight. I came here to make a scene publicly so there'd be witnesses to hear what I have to ask. I need you to save me. So then uh, they have him in like a, a, a force field prison. Mia says, so Thon messed with the timeline, huh? That must be why she picked up on his temporal energy. It's like, wait, what? Is she just like sitting around detecting temporal energy? It's like, how can she, whatever, figure it out? So she says she must have picked up his scent by mistake. She was looking for something else. Um, Chester jumps in. He's like, oh, maybe we can help. He, and he geeks out about being a big fan and everything like that. He shakes her hand. He's like, almost comes off in a like creepy way. And she's like, uh, yeah, whatever. So she asks, you know, what did he mean by save me? And Barry's like, you know, he's fading in and out, so he's being erased from the timeline, just like he was. So he won't come back like he did before, um, after he killed Eddie. And it's because Barry used a time stone, so it eliminated all possible time vari variables to restore a single permanent timeline. Caitlin says that, you know, she's going to call Frost so they can decide what to do as a team. And Mia's, like, surprised. She's like, are you actually considering saving him? And she thinks that, you know, they're making a big mistake. So Mia goes off to pound in a punching bag. Is, you know, I guess she knows that there's a gym in the Star Labs, whatever. Iris comes to talk to her and says that you know she never said why she came to 2021, but it must be important. Mia says that she's here to find her brother. That night, uh, she decided to put on the suit. They went to see her dad's statue, but were attacked. And she hasn't seen her brother since. So that's like the last time we saw her. So she's been looking for him for two years. 
and a temporal energy led her there. So all the, the trails go cold, whatever, and all she has left is a stone thing that William gave her. And Iris uh, asks if she's asked Felicity for help. And Mia's like, she wouldn't understand what I've had to do to get this far. So she's like, what's that supposed to mean? She's like, have you know, so has she killed anyone? And Mia says that, you know, she would for William. And Iris says something about, you know, because she mentioned how Oliver's, you know, started off that way or whatever. Um, so she says something about, you know, Mia being scared to talk to Felicity. And Mia says that she's like, she tells Iris, she's like, you're the one who's scared. It's like, Thon killed your dad and almost made you marry him while making you think that you had a choice. So, you know, Iris is scared to do the right thing and let him die. So that's the thing. It's like, you know, the creepy thing is they were about to get married. So were they like intimate before? And, you know, so he really manipulated timeline to do. So, yeah, uh, it's, 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 is it any different than like what Purple Man did to Jessica Jones? Maybe a little different, but still. Caitlin tells Don that it looks like he has two hours and then he's just going to fade away. And he'll say that they'll save him because they're the good guys. And, you know, she's a doctor. And he says that, you know, she can't can't accept, you know, whatever someone he like he keeps egging her on and stuff like that. And he says how he knew her eight years ago with her idiot fiance and the the fact that she's still there, you know, not moving on with her life. And she's like, she's there because she's like, not because they're they're not friends or family. And she was taught in med school that you know, sometimes you have to accept death. So Caitlin comes in to talk to Barry. And he asks what happened, and she says that they need to let Thon die. So Barry goes to talk to Thon. You know, why did he create a reverse flashpoint? And he says it was the best way to hurt him. And Barry's like, he's like, don't you have anything better to do than mess with my life? And he's like, that, that is my life. And Barry's like, what did I ever do to you? And Thon says that two centuries from now, they meet for the very first time. He discovered a way to access more speed than anyone before. Just when he was about to present himself to the world, Barry shows up. He dazzled the crowd. You know, he solved this case, whatever. Uh, you know, he saved the crowd, whatever. The crowd that was meant to um, be saved and thank him or saved by him. So Barry stole his greatest moment. He, you know, he admired Barry and Barry humiliated him. He's like that night. He knew he'd have to become faster, and Barry's like. Only a sociopath would react to something so small with that kind of rage. And Thon calls it commitment. Barry asks, then what happens to that rage if I save you? And then Thon whispers, I'll just go on with my life's work, finding new ways to kill you. So basically he's like, you need to save me, and then I'm going to keep trying to go back to trying to kill you and mess up your life and hurt everyone that you love. So Barry walks down the hall, and Despero shows up. He says that he knows what to do. He went to the future to see if Barry did prevent Armageddon. He also saw the return of Barry's rival, so he could bring about another Armageddon. And so he's like, listen to your friends and let him die. Barry says that, he's like, well, why not kill him yourself then? And Despero says that uh, he could come back. The only way is to make sure it's permanent. So Barry and Caitlin talk to Chester and Allegra. You can't just let Thon die. And Barry's like, he gave him a chance to prove he can change, and he can't. Caitlin says that, you know, he messed up with the timeline and the timeline's fighting back. Then Iris walks in and she says, that, she's like, me too. She's like, Thon did this to himself. And Allegra says that, you know, we're the new kids and, you know, we don't have the experience with Thon. And, you know, she's like, she doesn't care about him, but, you know, she cares about who they are. They save people. And Iris is like, you're right. You are the new kids. You don't get a say. 
Cecile says that, you know, maybe they should think about this. And Barry says that, you know, they don't understand what he's capable of. You know, maybe it's time to let him die. And Joe yells from the side, Barry, Iris, come talk now. So he's like, what the hell is wrong with you two? He's like, since when do we let people die? And he's like, he came to you for help and you're obligated to try. And Barry's like, that man killed you. And Joe says that, you know, he wants him dead too, but he learned, you know, being a cop, you don't just protect the good, you protect everyone. That's what heroes do. And he's like, he asks if, if he's like, did either one of you even find a way to save him? And Barry reluctantly says he did. He's like, he basically says that they can save him if they take away his speed permanently. And Joe just like walks out. He's like, this, this is a decision for you two. He's like, but if you let him die, you don't have to worry about Thawne destroying our family. It's like, oh my God. Uh, and plus the fact that Thon also killed Barry's mom. Things go red. What uh, Despero narrates is like, the heroes of this world have failed. They w- If they won't do something, it's up to me. Despero, uh, to, it's, like, it's up to me, Despero, to take matters into my own hand. So he, he calls on Mia. He takes control of her. Her eyes goes red. And he says that you know she's going to help him. So he's going to basically use her, control her. So Barry and Iris tell him that they're heroes and they can't turn their backs on, on anyone. So they're going to do what Jefferson was going to do to him. Despero comes in and says that it's their last chance to stand down. And they're like, no. Then he teleports Barry away. Frost and Allegra go to set things up. Mia shoots a, a sonic arrow at their feet to knock them out. And Barry calls out Despero for saying that, you know, he, he said he was a hero in his world, but he was really the, the, the despot. Is that how you say the word? Did, yeah, I think. He says that, you know, the, the greater good must be embraced for the world to survive, and they start fighting. So it's just like, ugh. So Star Labs loses power. Um, the backup turns on only for the force field. So arrows start flying, and Iris, one goes to Iris. She manages to move and dodge the arrow. It's like, how can she move that fast? It's like, does she still have some elements of speed from her time when she was, I don't know. Um, so we get this big cheesy CG fight between Barry and Despero. It's, I mean, video games had better graphics than this. It, it, it's just, it looked, it looked cheesy and uh, yeah, fine. You got to tr- cut corners where you can to make it work. And, but then just, just don't do it if it's going to be so cheesy. <laughs> Although having them run off camera to change it, I don't know. Uh, anyways, so Iris uh, tries talking sense to Mia. Cecile uh, stands up. Iris says that she knows Mia can fight this. You know, she could have killed them all in the room, but she didn't. She's like, fight it. Think about William. Is this the path he'd want you to, to take? And then, you know, blah, blah, blah. Mia breaks Despero's hold. So Despero, meanwhile, tells Barry, he's like, oh, my pawn has failed. He's like, so he says he's going to become the hero the world needs, not Barry. Barry runs at him, but then is teleported back to Star Labs. So the readings for Thon's uh, room are going sky high. So Barry says Despero's willing to wipe out the whole city just to get Thon. So they're going to like make him blow up or go nuclear or something like that. Despero's powering up. Um, they have to figure out a way to take Thon's powers before Despero whammies him. Chester has a solution. He made Barry golden boots. <laughs> So Barry runs in them, and I, they make such a big deal about these boots. I remember before the season even started, there's like a promo. He's like getting the boots; they're a perfect fit, Chester. And then Chester's like, "Now run, boss, run." He doesn't say Barry, run, Barry, run. But Despero unleashes a flame of whatever thing. Barry runs to make a vacuum, so he runs up a building, jumps down on Despero. And it's like, I don't get how, did I, I don't know how these boots work. 
Like, what's the big deal about these boots? They don't really tell us because they open a case and it's like glowing. It's like you know, Pulp Fiction. What's in the case? And it's it's boots, golden boots. So uh, somehow Despero's connection to the flame are gone. He swears Barry will pay for this. His whole family will, and he like goes up in flames. So he's gone. It's like Despero, you're not a hero. <laughs> he keeps saying that. Thon's fading, but Barry gets ready to zap Thon along with uh, you know using Chester's tech thing. Thon screams. The energy goes straight up. Then Caitlin's like, "There's no trace of speed in his body." Then Th- Thon asks, "He's like, what? What exactly do you think you've done?" And Barry's like. He saved, saved his life. He's like, saved my life? My speed is my life. You took my life. You left me in hell. And it, so it's like, oh, yeah. So you can talk louder in a whisper. You can. Yeah. Why are you whispering all the time and then you're yelling here? Everyone then goes to celebrate. They go out in a town, short, little short dresses and suits. Reverse Flash is locked up at Argus and Despero's gone. Damien shows up. Mia pulls out a knife on him, but he's like, he doesn't care. He's, he says he should be gone because the timeline is reset or something like that. Iris talks to Mia. Uh, she says she might have found something that could help. Of course, right? When, when does she have time to do this? The symbol on a rock, it matches some heavily redacted documents from Berlin. Her source couldn't find out more. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, so she says she might know a hacker who could help. Mia says this, so she's going to go talk to Felicity. And she's like, she thanks Iris for reminding her who she should be. But like with this, okay, give us a Mia Queen spinoff show. And, you know, if change, if it maybe it's not going to be the Birds of Prey showed in the future, have her in the present looking for William or whatever. Just, you know, bring her the character back. And much rather this than some of the other shows we have. Allegra, Frost, and Joe arrive. Chester stares at Allegra like a creep. And Frost comes up to him. She's like, oh, I know that look. She's like, someone's got a crush. And you know, she tells him to go for it. And whatever. He goes up to her. They're awkward with each other. Joe talks to Damien. He thanks uh, him for helping Barry restore the timeline. He's like, that's pretty damn selfless. And then uh, Damien's like, yeah, being a parent kind of changes you. And Joe says, for the better. And Damien like, says, agreed. He says he wishes he knew why he was still here. You know, he should move on. Nora should be in his place. And then he gives uh, the stone to Joe. He's like, you know, it's a gift. You know, father to father. He thinks that he'll need it someday. And then then he's like gone. So we see this like uh, highly blue lit scene. Damien calls out to, to Joe. Nora is behind him. And she's like, where are we? And he's like, it doesn't matter. He's like, I'm just so glad I got to see you before I go. And he says that, you know, he'll, he's going to be dead or whatever. And he just needed a little more time. He tells her that he loves her. So they, they reach out and there's a bright light. Then Nora's in a room with the other, like at this like bar, or whatever club. I don't even know where they're at. And she's confused. She's like, what am I doing here? She's like, where's my dad? And she yells for someone to tell her what's going on. Joe's like, you're okay. He's like, thanks to your dad. And she's like, he's gone, isn't he? And Joe nods. And she's like, why is this happening again? And Joe says, because Damien Dark promised to do whatever it took to save his daughter. So he wipes a a tear off her face. He's like, there's a story that you need to hear. And they walk off. So Barry makes a toast. A lot has happened the past few days. The world almost made it. uh, The world almost didn't make it. But thanks to all of them and a dedicated father, they, they, they did it. They survived because they, they were, faced with the choices and the choices they make or choices make them heroes or something like that cheers here's to making our own destiny and protecting it together blah 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 
at CCPD, one cop says to another, they're walking out, oh, thank God, now everything can go back to normal. They pass by a bunch of like pictures on a wall, like the police force from different years, and you see one from 2014. It starts flickering with lightning, and then Nora and Bart appear like in the background of all, all the, the officers. And then coming 2022. So Nora and Bart are going to, going to 2014 for some reason, acting like they're part of the police force. I don't know what's going on. But there you go. So that was this episode. So, um, yeah, they, they did this little mini event, and then we're going to get a pause. I'm fine with this. You know, it, it's normally we get the seasons and then break and then season break. I'm, I'm okay with this. I think Riverdale did the same thing. I, I'm, like, so behind in Riverdale. But they just did their little event as well. I'm down with that. Instead of making us wait a whole time, give us chunks or whatever, and then with breaks in between, rather than big long and then you know having a long break in between. I, I mean, I'm assuming it all works out to be about the same, but I'm I'm okay with that. So uh, hopefully it'll come back. I forget when it. If, I don't know if they've said when it comes back, but we'll have to see. Um, so yeah, it, overall this it was not as exciting as or whatever as the other events but it was fine okay then hawkeye season one episode five ronin so it starts off with some narration from natasha about black widows all over the world she tells yelena that she should be the one to tell them it's all over so it's 2018 so yelena and another widow they enter this house she talks to this lady named anna and they they fight and Yelena's like, we're trying to help you. And they, she tells the other one, Sonia, to hold her, sprays her with the antidote. And she's like, you know, we're, we're here to help you. Turns out she wasn't brainwashed. And the big expensive house was her. She's like, look what she did in my carpet. Because, you know, there's like red stuff from the spray or whatever. So she's been doing what they're best at, killing for money. So they talk. Yelena says that, you know, she's helped many. It's hard, you know, finding them and watching them wake, but it's worth it. And is like, how's your sister doing? She good? And then they, they joke about after all this is done, they can live their sex in the city fantasy out in, in New York City or whatever. So she excuses herself and then she goes to the bathroom. She's like, you know, to like wash her face or whatever. Then the blip happens. So she like turns to dust and then she returns in the same place. So she, the, you see like everything kind of changes around her, like the bathroom paint changes. She goes out in the other room and there's this guy with a little girl out there and she's like, what's going on? And she has like her arm blaster thing extended. Then Anna's there with like longer hair. She's like, Yelena? She's like, oh my God, you're back. So we find out it's five years later. So Anna tells her she got married. They adopted a, um, a, a kid three years ago. It's been amazing. She tells Yelena, you know, like she mentioned before, you know, she could get contract work and she's like, you can stay here as long as you need. Yelena tells her, stop. It's like, she's like, I was in the bathroom for five seconds and now I've lost five years of my life. And she says that, you know, she has to find Natasha. She needs to tell her that she's okay. So then it cuts to previously on Hawkeye, whatever. So Kate arrives home. Her mom, Eleanor, sees her. She's like, are you okay? She's like, why are you wearing your archery suit? And she's like, does this have anything to do with Clint Barton? And she's like, no. She's like, Clint protected me. And then she's like, you'll be glad to know that he he then told me to come home and to stay away from him. So she's like fighting the tears. It was really kind of heartbreaking. Eleanor tells her that the only thing that matter that she's the only thing that matters to her. She's he hugs and there's tears and it's just like so sad for Kate. Her mom then later like tends to her cuts and she asks if, if Clint thinks that she's a superhero and Kate whispers no. And she, she says like I don't either. 
her mom says that you know this doesn't change who she is it just means that it might look her life might look a little different than she dreamed of it as a child and hopefully a little less you know reckless Kate says that you know she didn't want to be reckless she just uh, wanted to help her and Kate says that you know she probably regrets buying her that first bow huh and she's like sometimes just kidding and you see this little like a uh, bow like hanging on a wall her mom's like you know you're so cute with that tiny bow and Kate says that you know she thought she could do anything you know she thought she, she really thought she could be one of them and she asked her mom she's like do you ever worry I won't find my path and Eleanor is like no she's like I, I know who you are and Kate says that she has to tell her something she's like you know they were looking into Armand's murder and they found some incriminating stuff about Jack including like a shell company that he has called Sloan Limited. So Kate asks that, you know, she at least look into it. And Eleanor is like, okay, I will. And then she's like, get your things and then come home. So Maya is uh, getting her arrow wound tended to by Kazi. And she says that, you know, there was someone else with them, a woman well-trained. And she doesn't think that she was with them. So she's like, this is bigger than they thought. And he's like, this, the, your hunt must stop. And she's like, I'm so close. And he's like, he says that he'll help capture Ronan, and as soon as they kill him, he's like, enough. So Kate goes to her apartment, and you can see, you know, it's like the aftermath of, you know, the, the fire bombs or the Molotov cocktails, whatever. The windows are boarded up. Someone's like, Kate Bishop, and it's Yelena. <laughs> and yeah, so Kate just, like, throws in your thing. It's like a bottle of sriracha, and Yelena just easily catches it. And Yelena's like, hi. She's like, I made macaroni if you want some. Kate's confused. She's like, I'm sorry, what? Yelena is like, she said she was starving and Kate was taking forever and she just wanted food. So Kate's like, what do you want? And she's like, relax, Kate Bishop. She's like, I just want to talk. Are you really not hungry? That fight was so long. It's, and it's really tasty, really, really tasty. Kate looks at the pot that she puts on. She's like, yeah, I know what box mac and cheese tastes like. I know it's delicious. So Yelena's looking around for fork. She's like, no. He's like, you have one fork? And Kate's like, I'm only one person. And Yelena's like, that's so weird. <laughs> and Kate's like, she's like, I'm not going to sit and have dinner with you after you tried to kill me and broke into my house. I did not try to kill you. A, I put you on a wire to remove obstacle. And B, I did not break anything. <laughs> she's like, I'm way too talented than that. And C, stop being so defensive, okay? You're so hostile. She's like, I'm not going to hurt you. Like, I promise. And she's like, she says she doesn't have any weapons on her. Then she's like, I take that back. I don't have any weapons currently in my hands. And she looks like rings or whatever. She's like, okay, that's a lie too. And she's like, I know what you're thinking. She's like, I'm not going to have dinner with the enemy. You know, but she's like, but I made some really good smelling macaroni. And she's like, in all honesty, if I wanted to kill you and Kate finishes, you would have already. And yet Yelena is like, right, right. As soon as you open the door and Kate's like, I probably wouldn't even have time to shut it. And she's like, no. And starts laughing. Clint's walking down the street with a, the arrow and, and, and a bag or whatever and he goes to see um, Grills so I'm like wait who's Grills because Grills is in the comic Grills is the, the LARPer dude the firefighter guy I was like oh I, I thought Grills was someone else uh, I, I must have totally missed it his name was Grills so Kate's done eating and Yelena's like, like oh you're done so she's like can I put hot sauce on it because they're both eating from the pot I guess so she's like I love hot sauce and Kate's like so what do you want and she, she raises her her hands. She's like, that's my first time in the city, in New York, whatever. So she's like, it's business, so time is limited. But, you know, she does want to see the Empire State Building, the new improved Statue of Liberty and Rockefeller Center. And Kate's um, smile, she's like, very funny. And Yelena's like, what, is it not good? 
And Kate's like, no, no, they're great. She's like, you got to see the tree. And Yelena's like, oh, I love American Christmases. The tree, the presents, the super-powered reindeer Rudolph. He's so weird. <laughs> She's like, have you ever eaten reindeer? And Kate's like, I cannot say I've had the pleasure. Yelena's like, it's no, not a pleasure. It's really tough. It's chewy. She says Kate must have some recommendations since she grew up here. And Kate mentions a bunch of places. She's like, but I'm not sure if it's right for a bloodthirsty vigilante. And Yelena thinks the description is funny. It's like, sometimes you're so funny, Kate Bishop. And Kate's like, you keep saying my whole name to point out that you know know it, right? And she's like, yes. It's like, I know a lot about you. She mentions her mother in a dress, father deceased, very sad. And so like, you recently walked into traffic to save a dog, which I'll admit is pretty cool. And you get a few points for me on that. And she's like, um, university GPA 3.8, senior, double major. And Kate's like, all right, all right. And she asks if she's in New York to talk to Clint. And Yelena's like, no, 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 no. She's like, I'm here to kill him. Kate's like speechless. Then Yelena says she has a question for Kate. And she's like, what is it? Why do you risk your life for him, Clint Barton? And she's like, has, how has everyone forgiven him for his past? And Kate's like, he saved the world. Yelena's like, no, my sister saved the world. Natasha Romanoff, she saved the world. Stop pretending like you're surprised. It's like, it does not look cool. And Kate's like, you're really Natasha's sister? And she's, and she's like, yes. And Kate's like, wow, I did not see that coming. And she's like, thank God I didn't kill you up there. Yelena laughs like boisterously. She's like, you kill me? That one is hilarious. <laughs> He's like, that one is the funniest. And Kate says that they were friends. You know, why, why is she after him? Yelena's like, you're so fond of, of him. It tells me you don't really know who he is. And she says that she, he came out here to protect her. Yelena's like, no, he came to protect his reputation. She's like, do you know how many people he killed? And Kate's like, well, still, he was an Avenger. And Yelena's like, what does that word even mean? That it holds so much power. And Kate mentions when you face the danger he's faced, there's you know sometimes collateral damage. Yelena sternly says, she's like, my sister is dead because of him. Is she collateral damage? And Kate's like, there's no way he would let that happen. Yelena's like, how long have you known Clint Barton? And she, Kate pauses, she's like, about a week. Yelena says, it will not be difficult for her to complete this assignment. Kate's like, wait a minute, someone hired you to kill him? If there's someone out there telling you to cleanse a bad guy, maybe you should ask yourself what kind of person hired you. It's like, he's not perfect. Nobody's perfect, but he is good. Yelena's like, however he convinced you, you know, he's good or how many people he saved, truth is, it doesn't matter. We're defined by what we do, not by nice words. There is no escaping this. So where is he? Kate says she doesn't know. Yelena's like, okay. She's like, thank you for the girls' night, truly. She gets up to leave. She's like, oh, and Kate Bishop, do not get in my way again. Clint asks Grill if he can leave the dog there for a few days so he can go get a hotel room. And Grill's like, uh-uh-uh. She's like, you're not staying in a hotel room on Christmas. He's like, take, the, take my couch, take my bed. And Clint's like, the, the couch would be great. So Grill says, that, um, Missy, the other LARPer, she dropped off the new outfits for him and Kate. She's like, you want to see him? He's like, I do. She's like, just not right now. So he's just like tired. And he just crashes on the couch. Kate comes home. A couple of detectives are, gonna, are taking Jack downtown. He says it's a misunderstanding. He's like, I never worked a day in my life. And they're like, well, we have tax records that say otherwise. Eleanor is just standing there. And Kate like hugs her and says, she's, she's so sorry. Eleanor says that you know, she looked into it. She was right. Um, Jack says that he's like, oh, I've obviously been framed. He's like, I'll be back in a jiffy for your Christmas party. So then we see the Battle of New York Memorial. Clint staring at this plaque. Um, he takes out his hearing aid so he doesn't hear anything. He's like, Natasha, it's like, I really need to talk to you right now. You were the bravest 
of us all, weren't you? Loyal, stubborn. You always had to win, didn't you? He's like, and for a stupid orange rock. He's like, I replayed that a million times in my head, hoping for a different outcome. But I do my best every day to earn what you gave me. He's like, just want to say I'm, just want to say I miss you. He's like, and I'm so sorry for what I'm about to do. And he puts on a hoodie and he walks away. So I was like, um, okay. Then we see Kate lying in her old room. She's still sore. She looks at her trophies. You know, there's like some pictures of Hawkeye and a bulletin board or whatever, like arrows. Her first little bow. She gets up, leaves a message for Clint, like on, on his phone. And she's like, I know you said it's over for me, but it's not. And then she leaves another message saying that they need to talk about the other woman on the roof. And another um, saying the police have arrested Jack. Then she calls again and again and again. And then finally his mailbox is full and cannot accept any more messages at this time. Then we see a, a Trust-A-Bro truck. Um, Ivan and another bro are they're listening to Run DMC, Christmas, and Hollis. They pull into this parking lot and an arrow comes like, through the window almost takes a like just stops halfway through and uh, the passenger bro screams it's like right in his face a little compartment opens and there's a note inside it says maya meet me tonight where you first met ronan alone clint walks uh, he's walking down the street he calls laura he says that uh, this problem just keeps getting bigger he's like maya's relentless uh she's got her hands on the watch and she looked into their family so someone has hired a, a black widow and he doesn't want to think about where this all goes. She says that he's been so careful. You know, she and the kids are so far away. He's like, not far enough. If, if this doesn't end tonight, um, it's just a matter of time before the big guy gets involved. And she's like, Jesus, are you sure? And he can't be sure. It's just a sinking feeling that he has. She tells him to follow your gut. And she says that, you know, he didn't call looking for permission and he doesn't need it from her. So she trusts his judgment. You know, do what you got to do. And he's at the gym locker and he, he gets to Ronin suit. So Maya is standing outside fat man used cars. Uh, she has bros hiding around like different behind the cars. Kazi's up on a roof with a sniper rifle. And then Ronin's sword goes by his head and he starts to talk and he gets like knocked out. Bros are getting taken out one by one. And Maya realizes that someone's out there. She, so she sees some like moving like behind the cars. She starts shooting and everything like that. And she's basically soon out, like, out of bullets. Ronan comes out of the shadow with his swords. They start fighting. Hits on both sides. She ends up on the ground. And Ronan walks up to her with the sword. Then he takes off his mask. He starts talking so she can read his lips. She's like, I wanted you to see my face. And she's like, so I can watch you kill me? You know, she's like signing whatever. He's like, no. But if you or anyone comes after me or my family, it will be the last thing you do. You have my word. You and I were the same. And she's like, you're a monster. He's like, weapons. He's like, but when you're filled with rage, it makes you blind. He's like, it can be used. It could be manipulated. He's like, trust me, I know. I was here that night, tipped off by informant. Works for your boss. She starts shaking her head and he continues like, yes, your boss. And she's like, you're lying. Your boss wanted your father dead. Now he's using you. She kicks and grabs the sword, knocks him down, raises the sword to strike, but then it gets knocked out of her hand by an arrow. So Maya looks and sees Kate point an arrow at her, and she turns around and Clint's gone. So Maya gets on her bike and she takes off. So Clint tells, or Kate tells Clint that he's probably wondering how she found him, and he's like, you tracked my phone again, didn't you? And she's like, yeah. And he asks if she has an escape plan for the rescue mission. And in this, like, uh, Uber basically pulls up. He's like, are you Tabitha? And she's like, yeah. So she has a fake name, which is good. 
Kazi pulls up to where Maya's standing. He's like, oh, you're alive. And he hugs her. He's like, I'm really sorry. He's like, it came out of nowhere. Then he asks her, like, did you kill him? And she says that he got away. He's like, damn it. And then she asks him, why weren't you at the meeting that night? And he's like, what are you talking about? And she's like, you were in town. You know, you were his number two. Why didn't you go to the meeting the night my father was murdered? And Kazi's like, I don't know. He's like, I didn't get the call. He's like, what is this? And she looks at him. She's like, nothing. And she gets on, on her bike and she leaves. And he, So obviously, he's the informant. He's the one that set this up. Kate tells Clint there's one more thing he should worry about. He says, she says she spoke to the girl on the roof with the mask. And she's like, she's Natasha's sister. And he's surprised. And he's like, Yelena. And she's like, yeah. He's like, okay. They get out of the car and they, they walk. Um, and this is one where, you know, there, there's a scene like with the, the he like hands her the hair arrow and they both like hold it for a second or something like that. And it's, it's like a scene from the comic and very touching. Um, Yelena's walks on the street and she's following Eleanor. And then she go, uh, we see Eleanor like goes into her house. Clint, Kate, pizza dog and grills are eating. Uh, Clint can make pizza dog to do like this dance to beg for food. And like Kate tries doing it. She can't do it. She's like, you make it look so cool whatever. She gets a text from unknown. And the text says, Kate Bishop, I found out who hired me. Eleanor Bishop thought you deserve to know. And then she sends like a, a, like a picture or something like that, but we don't see it right away. So she shows Clint. She's like, who's that guy with my mom? And he's like, well, that's a guy I've been worried about from this whole time. Kingpin. It's a Kingpin from Netflix Daredevil. Which there's a rumor that he was in it. So it's like we kind of suspected, but it wasn't. I wasn't sure if it was like a full-fledged rumor or like a leak or anything like that. So I was just like, maybe he's going to be there, maybe not. And, you know, we, he's expressed that he wants to return to the role. And so he's back. So that was really cool. I mean, that was like just so – I was like, whoa. So – and I actually saw this article. It was like, Hawkeye just solved the post-Thanos problem. So, like, they're trying to say that Thanos is going to be like the big baddie in the Marvel Universe, not at Thanos' is. <laughs> It's like he could be a big villain. I hate Kingpin because of this, but I mean he he could he could be untouchable, I guess, in a way. So I don't know if he's going to become the big MCU villain after King, but, but yeah, Kingpin. But yeah, it's so exciting he's back. So we have one more episode. I'm so excited and so bummed because I do not want this show to end. But man, this is going to be. And I, I I think I saw another thing like this is going to be like the longest MCU episode yet. So I don't know how long it's going to be, but this, uh, I, I can't wait. Oh, this is such a good show. <laughs> the macaroni and cheese scene was just, just great. That's what I love about the show. It is there's a lot of action, but we get a lot of just like character development, you know, like the, the Clint and Kate, you know, wearing ugly Christmas sweaters, just doing nothing. It was just like, so such a good thing. That's where this, that the fact that this is a show really shines. Cause in a movie, you kind of can't do that. You can't, use that much time on you know little character because you need more you get what i'm saying but man so this this is really good i i'm so happy with this show okay so then i'm going to finish lost in space so we're going to talk about the the rest of the show so episode 305 to 308 this is the end of the show because i guess it, you know it, it's only three seasons so 305 stuck we see young maureen uh, out in the backyard looking through a telescope. She's thinking about going out in space because, you know, we, we found out she wanted to be an astronaut. Judy wakes um, wakes her up and asks if she remembers what happened because, you know, so the last episode they were in a sh- ship and it was like crashing. I guess they were in a Jupiter. I thought they were in a Resolute, but I think they were in a Jupiter. So she's like, okay, you know, there's no slurred speech. So they crash landed um, 
Judy says she's going to contact the others, but Marine's like, no. So then we see John pulling parts off of Penny's suit. Uh, he's like, they contract them. Anything electronic attracts them like flies. So they need to worry about the robots coming after them, like the, the SAR and the killer robots. Don takes the tracker band off his chicken Debbie because, you know, the same thing. They need to get rid of all that. Will and Smith crash in this other spot. He's like hanging in a chair. You know, there's like a parachute, you know, ejector seat, whatever. He tells her to take out the battery in her pack. And he asks her if his wrist device is down there. And she then she's like, yeah. And she asks if he thinks Sar and the others survived. And he's like, yeah. He's like, I'm sure they survived. So three robots come out of their ship. Um, and when Marine tells Judy that they need to get the ship prepped before the others get back. And she says, you know, all the of all the people she crashed with, she's glad it's her. She's like, don't tell Penny or Will or your father. But then it turns out Marine's ejector seat is still engaged. So she can't get up. She's basically sitting like on a landmine. If she moves, she's going to die. And so Judy, because it's going to like spray out shrapnel and everything like that. So they need to figure out how they can disengage to share. We see a flashback. Um, she has baby Judy. She has to bow out of astronaut training. So her mom, I'm assuming it's her mom, helps her to figure out how to soothe the fussy Judy into sleeping. And her mom tells Marine that, you know, there's a lot of space out there. You know, they won't run out. Um, there will be other missions. But Marine's like, no, I'm not going to um, I'm not going to risk orphaning Judy. So here's a point where I was a little confused because I always thought that they adopted Judy. Because, you know, we knew that, that Grant Kelly was a father. So I was always like, you know, who's the mother? Like, what happened to the mother? Like, did something happen? Grant went out on a space mission and died. So because Judy or because Maureen was friends with them, did she decide to, to take the child in? And she's going to care for it since there is no one else. What I guess it is, and maybe I was just totally oblivious. But what had happened is, so Grant was a father. Maureen is her mother. And so she's, you know, that's why she stopped the, the astronaut training. So it's her kid. I, 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 in the scene, I didn't even realize it. I thought she's just taking care of, of this kid. That, you know, maybe the mother died in childbirth or something like that. But no. So Judy is Maureen's biological daughter. Will Robinson basically adopted her. So we got all that. So John um, returns a penny. He was scouting and he saw a parachute a ways off. So he knows where at least one of them came down and she had just one. And, you know, he said he saw one and he mentions a Fortuna's closest. So they should probably head there first. Don's going after Debbie, who she apparently has too much taste for freedom now. And he stops her from like eating this big, like fat worm. He says it's a disgusting worm. Then his foot gets stuck in a puddle and he can't pull it out. He loses his, his boot, but Debbie keeps like walking off. Fortuna starts shaking. It's like they're sinking or, you know, then like something starts leaking through the ejector hatch. And when Judy looks at it, it's like saliva. So they're not sinking. They're being swallowed. So there's this huge like bug creature thing that's like trying to eat the ship. And again, I can't remember if they're in the Fortuna or not, but it doesn't matter. Will is hanging off a branch. He's like climbing this branch, trying to retrieve his backpack. And he like almost falls. And Smith's like, whatever's in there is not worth it. And then, um, she sees that there's an alien skull inside the backpack because the backpack's kind of open. Don is chasing Debbie through a field like bubbling puddles. He hears footsteps. There's a robot behind him. And uh, it, it, it maybe it's Sar. He's like, I can't tell these robots apart. Uh, I mean, Sar is different than a regular robot. So Don is like on the edge of a puddle, like crater thing. He gets scanned. And then uh, he pulls out a knife to challenge it. And then it just backhands Don, he goes flying and he's like knocked out. 
Penny and John reach the, the ship. She calls out to Robot. Power has been severed, so the ship is dark, which is good. She keeps calling out Robot. They find Robot, and he's been impaled. So I guess they're, they're must be at the Fortuna, but no one else is there. So Robot's impaled. They need to, to cut it free. Um, but then there's like this like wire thing that they can use to cut, like some sort of like high qual- sharp razor wire. I don't know. Um, so to work, um, they're, 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 it's using, they're, they're cutting through and kind of talking. But as they're doing this, there's this worm crawling on a wire, like in a, the circuit, like exposed wire. And as the wire goes down, it touches another one and then power turns on. And Sar can like sense the power. So he's going to be coming at them. Maureen and Judy are about halfway being swallowed. Judy like investigates things. She's like analyzes saliva. She thinks that it'll swallow them whole. And she thinks she can maybe find a way to make it vomit them out. Um, as they're sawing through the, the big debris thing that's impaling robot, Penny starts talking to dad about VJ and Liam. She's torn between the two. She realizes, or he realizes that she's just distracting him like he used to do when she was scared. And she's like, well, when I'm with you, I'm never scared. So Judy is uh, trying to stab the creature through the ejector hatch with like this bow, but um, she's kind of in some pain. And Maureen's like, did you hurt yourself in a crash? And she casually says, she's like, yeah, I fractured my shoulder. And Maureen's like, why didn't you tell me? And she's like, because I'm handling it. And they, they talk about like her living up to like mom's expectations to be perfect. And Judy's like, or she, you know, because Judy says she gave up being an astronaut for her. Maureen tells her, she's like, She's just to leave, you know, get out of there. And and Judy's like, you didn't leave me and I'm not leaving you. So Judy finds uh, the compartment thing that Will and Penny were in when they were out in space. When they, I think that Hastings guy, they had to survive out in the the vacuum. So it should protect them from the shrapnel. Judy um, pulls, she brings it in. She gets in. She pulls mom from it. When she gets up, the the seat explodes and then the creature vomits them out of the ship. And then they're, they're just lying in a, the compartment thing because, you know, the, the lid shut, shut when they landed in there. And then um, mom tells Judy just to rest for a minute. And she's like kissing her cheek, just holding her daughter. So Will is still trying to get the backpack. Smith says that something is coming. Um, the backpack falls, but ro- robot's coming. He catches it. And John, um, John's there too. He says, like, let's go get the rest of the family. And then we get, so Don is still knocked out. Debbie's like on top of him, like pecking at him or whatever. Uh, so the robot scanned Don. Um, I don't know if it was Sar or not. It, no, I, I think it was a different robot because it arrives, and I think Sar shows them the scan, or it shows Sar the scan, and Sar doesn't seem too happy or something. I don't know. 306, final transmission. Robot John, Penny, and Will, and Smith arrive at the Jupiter to meet up with Marine and Judy. Smith talks, or Marine talks to Smith, thanks her for being there with the kids, and Smith says that they took care of her too. Smith kind of fills her in, like, what the kids' lives were, like, the past year and, you know, what they've gone through and stuff. Will and John uh, look for Don. They, they see him out there, they, they, so they go to get him, or he's coming. Will tells a robot that they may not have to fight Sar today, that the most important thing is getting their family to Alpha Centauri. John tells Marine that Penny uh, pulled the hard drives from the Fortuna and they've all been scrubbed, like the nav data, the, the flight reports. So the only proof was like a, a CC cam and you see like a robot, whether it's SAR or someone, I don't know, um, goes up to like this pod and does like, a, it's just, I think it's Grant Kelly's. It doesn't try to hurt him, but it, it's just like does a scan thing. So, and that was like five and a half years ago. Don arrives and tells them of his adventures of, you know, 
getting scanned by a robot, and John says that the same thing happened to Grant Kelly. Marine says that the timestamp on the video was December 21st, 2044. That was a few days before the Christmas star, um, the first contact between humans and alien intelligence. Uh, it, so it wasn't between Scarecrow, it wasn't with Scarecrow on Earth, it was with Grant Kelly in space. So she says something like the body is like a map, and with the right tools, you can figure out every place a person has traveled in their life like cosmic breadcrumbs i don't get how that works so don is the only one who's ever been to alpha centauri so that means when they scanned him they figured out they learned where alpha centauri is now so will sneaks out he takes a rover and he's like blasting tom sawyer <laughs> rush tom sawyer to get sar to chase him the others wonder why sar hasn't uh taken off if he knows where alpha centauri is so it must be because will has something he wants then they realize that Will's not there. So Smith shows Maureen his final, she found his like little video thing. He's saying it's his, his final message that he went out to stop Sar. Will climbs out, starts walking. The others get the Jupiter up and they're like flying low to try to find Will. Robot um, thinks to being captured by the other robot and it says that, you know, Will Robinson will come to save him. You know, he won't hurt him like Robot hurt him or something like that. He wants him to learn from him. Robot asks, you know, what does he want to learn? And Sars says, you know, why Robot stopped following his programming. And so, like, Will Robinson did something to him. Will comes before three robots, and he talks to Sar, And he says that when they were in a cave, he wanted to know something. He didn't know then, but he thinks he knows now. He wants to know what happened when he and Robot first met. He talks about the programming. He tells them the being that made him are extinct. So whatever they wanted him to do, it doesn't matter. They can choose their own programming. He asks it, um, if knowing that they're gone makes him sad, and he's like, not sad. Then he does he know how they died? And because you know he will gave him the, the skull, alien skull and, and Sar's like holding it and Sar's like I killed them and he crushes the skull. Then the robots only is like danger Will Robinson, and they then they see him on the Jupiter. They, they're like they're down there. So Will says he doesn't understand, and then Sar's like kill all masters. So he he knocks the device thing out of Will's hand. Now kill Hart. Robot arrives. Sar says now you are free. He stabs Will in the chest. Robot goes red. The others arrive calling out to Will. And his, you know, his last message plays. You know, we, we see that. It was a goodbye to everyone as he he falls in slow motion. Robot runs after Sar, destroys like one, he just like, like just like rakes it in half um, and just destroys the true robots. They carry Will to the Jupiter. He has a pulse, but barely. John um, turns to face robot. He's like, You are supposed to stop this from happening. We trusted you. You were supposed to protect him. And he starts like punching, you know, robot and like sobbing. It's like, come on, man. It's like, you're a jerk. Judy says she can't perform open heart surgery on a Jupiter. They, Will needs a real hospital. So where are they going to find one in space? And they're like, Alpha Centauri. And Penny's like, is that where Sar is going? And Marine's like, yeah. So they're going to warn them and save Will's life. Judy's like, he won't survive the trip. Marine's like, well, we have to try. So Judy suggests a cryotube since his heart, it'll slow his heart down. So Sar takes off and the Robinsons do too. And then portals open. Episode 307, Contingencies on Contingencies. They enter Alpha Centauri orbit. There's no sign of the, the alien robot ships. They go closer. And it's pretty amazing looking. Like you just see like all the, the lush environment. John tells robot to stay in the ship. Most of the colonists haven't seen a robot, so they don't want to scare them. But it's just because he's mad at robot. Will is taken to the operating room. They say he's going to make it. 
Um, Smith goes to where the, the captain dude she attacked is still in stasis. So when he found out her identity or what she was going to be arrested. So she's so worrying about like, if he wakes up that, you know, he's going to know who she is and what she's, she's done. Penny smiles when she sees VJ, he waves and he has like a present for her behind uh, his back. Liam comes up and grabs her. He has like these like weird flowers or something like that. Like they're kind of like stinky flowers or something. I don't know what it is. And VJ had up like a pack of Orioles for her. And so he doesn't give them to her. John and Marine wonder why Sar hasn't arrived yet. And they, they warn the others like the chancellor and tell them like, you know, what's, what's going on. Judy tells Penny that Will's getting an artificial heart. Uh, John and Marine have to get Hastings out of custody because he has like security defense codes or something like that that could be used against SAR. John sees a, a red light outside and figures this robot. So he told him to stay in the Jupiter. So he goes to look. Then Hastings, he gets killed. And he had like some, some note in his hand with like some password or something like that. So is, is that for the defense system? John and Marine talk, so they wonder could Robot have killed Hastings, and uh, why isn't Sara there yet? So Penny, Judy, and Grant come up. They mention that something happened to Robot for a bit, like he was possessed, and um, Will thought it could have been Sara. And Marine's like shocked. She's like, you didn't think to mention this before? So they have to find Robot, and they're like, well, you know, if anyone can get to him, it would be Will, but obviously he can't do it because he's in surgery. So then Marine... um, they, you know, they leave to go do something, whatever. And Marines said that Will's in recovery now. So John and Victor go out in like one of the car things to go look for a robot. They have like a search team alerted or whatever. Will wakes up. He says that he thought he could change SAR and save everyone, but he failed. And Marine tells him that it's okay. Alpha Centauri has a defense system. They just need to figure out how to turn it on. Um, Hastings knew, but, you know, he isn't talking, obviously. So Smith arrives at her new home. You know, this car takes Zoe Smith to her house, whatever. And then Robot uh, walks up. He's like outside and his face is red. So she's like standing there. She tries reasoning with him and, and he just keeps walking towards her like he's going to kill her. And then she figures that like this is it. She just like kind of covers her face and everything like that. Robot just like walks past her. Marine Grant and the Sebastian guy, um, they're trying to figure out what the passcode is for the, the security system. Grant talks to Marine privately that, you know, he was on this shady government mission and there was a rift opening and closing and they didn't know what it was. So there was a cover story for the Fortuna. So they were supposed to investigate it. And he says that uh, the, it might be the security system would only work for like Hastings voice command or something like that. Um, maybe Ben Adler couldn't lock the system or something like that, but he's dead too. So Marine asks his widow for like old videos and stuff to get his words. So they have the passwords that the sheet that um, Hastings, he, cause he took it out of his safe. It was just like a bunch of random words, but it doesn't do anything. So they're, they're thinking it's voice command. So maybe Ben's words, if they can look at all these videos, get his voice snippets that they can use it. Judy and Penny have a plan to, a plan to go look for a robot. They're talking to Don about smuggling and ideas and, you know, where they could hide a robot. VJ comes on the ship and he hears this and he's like, is it true that, you know, Sar knows that they're there? And he's like, if you're going to do something, I'm going to. Then Judy's like, okay, let's go. And Penny's like, what? So robots at this dam and Judy, Penny and Don, VJ see him at the top. So they need to get there before their dad does, before John does. So they go there. Um, Don knows like some ways to sneak in again because of his, his smuggling days and they take this elevator, but it stops before it reaches the top. They get out on this floor, and there's, like, attack marks on this level. 
And they're like, robot doesn't make these kind of marks. So could Sar be here already? But, he, you know, he was out in the ship and they, there's been no sign of it. Marine and Grant get the words from the, all the videos and it gets the defense system online. So it's, it's working. Judy is going to go do something because there's something about water that she has to go. So she goes out there like in this room alone and in this robot. And I'm like, is this Sar? He comes. But it wasn't. Um, he climbs out of the water tank. Then robot comes. Help family. There's three others uh, with the robot. So they, they tried attacking robot. Uh, the three other, So there's three of them. Three others, four. I don't remember how many. Um, robot hits his tank. And if all this water flushes them out out from the top of the dam, and I guess that's all it takes to stop them. Uh, Judy and Penny tell Dad that that the other robots are trying to frame their robot, and it almost worked too. He just saved everyone, so I, I guess that puts a stop to them. That they're they're not going to survive that, which I find that hard to believe. John walks up to robot. Robot's face turns blue. John asks if if um, that was all of them that were here, and robots like yes. So Vijay's uh, talks to Penny, spills his guts how he feels. He tells her that you know she's so much better than she realizes, and all the stuff like that. And she's like, "No, no." He's like, "Well, when you find out, she's like, I'm going to be there to tell you. I told you so." The power goes down. The defense system is offline, and then there's an energy spike coming from space. So because of the dam, there's something with the turbines. That, like it was, so, one was destroyed, or you know, the robots were working on this. So there's no power. So that means they have no security system. So Marines like they're coming. The last episode, 308, Trust. So with the three turbines, the turbines are like irreplaceable. Marine and Don suggest that they, they can just use anything that spins. So there's like a part using the Jupiters can can help them. So they just need to bring all the Jupiters there, plug them in. But the Chancellor says, will that like cause a meltdown or something on a ship? And basically, yeah, they won't be able to fly with the Jupiters after this. But like, does it matter? Because, you know, the evil robots are relentless. So it's, you know, one or the other. Sar's ship's getting closer. He has this uh, huge army of robots on board. That, you know, we see them. Smith's at the hospital, so she's thinking about killing that one dude in the coma. And a robot comes in, help Dr. Smith. So is he going to help her kill this dude? Sar's ship speeds up because, uh, you know, may, they're like, maybe he can detect that the shields are going up. So it hits, you know, right as the, the force feels like closing, it hits the ship. So the ship kind of blows up. They try calling on the radio to see how the others are doing, but then you just hear like this feedback, like almost like the alien screeching. And Marines like that means the robots are here, and so the radios are, are, are worthless now. They they climb. Uh, you see robots climbing out from the, the crashed wreckage. Will realizes the robots can destroy everything with an engine. Sar said that he killed everyone. This must be how he did it. So Will was being um, evacuated in like this med chariot ambulance thing. He gets up, you know, people are getting out because the robots, you know, are, are coming. He pulls out the IV and the sensors, whatever. So he's like feeling really weak because he just had this big heart surgery. Penny like realized she's like, well, so she finds him and he tells her that, that the robots can use the engines as weapons. The engines rip holes in space. So he's like, you know, can you imagine what it'd do sitting on a planet? And he's like, we saw it happen before. He's like the planet we were stranded on, like all the meteors. So she says, OK, I'll go get Judy. And he's like, there's no time. He's like, you have to do it. And she's like, I can't. And Will's like, I know you better than you know yourself. It's like, you can do it. So she goes out to the wreckage. She, she finds the, the, the engine. And then Judy arrives because she was looking for injured people to help. So they, you know, Penny mentions the engine can be a weapon. So they're both carrying it. 
And then um, Penny kind of freaks because she sees this robot pinned under like some wreckage, and it's like like chopped in half, and it's just sitting there. So then she crouches down and gets close, and Judy's like, "Come on, we need to get this out of here." But she's like, "It's dying," and Judy's like, "There's no time." Penny goes and then she lifts the piece. Uh, uh, you know, the metal. she's like, "I'm not here to hurt you." So it crawls to its other severed half, and it like reattaches. It like fixes itself. And then it looks at her as it's like finishing all its repairs and it stands before her and it has a blue face. And she's like, do you have a name? She's like, can I give you a name? Can I call you Sally? You look like a Sally. The other kids arrive and they're asked what she's doing. And she says that she helped Sally. So, you know, she's like, when I'm in trouble, my family or my friends are there to help me. She's like, this one didn't have anyone to help. She's like, none of them do. So Judy's dragging the engine by herself. She comes across a robot and she picks up a rock and she's um, it's getting ready to charge. But then the kids and a bunch of other robots arrive. So they helped all the injured ones. So now they're obedient. I guess that's all it takes. VJ goes up to Penny. He's like, I told you so. And then she kisses him. And she's like, oh, you're getting better. Will watches and says, uh, this changes everything. Sally tells Penny, trouble. So Sar and several others are coming. So there's a bunch of evil robots still out there. Penny says that they have to keep the engine away from them. So Sally turns the engine off. They start walking towards Sar and the, the evil robots. Uh, they start like fighting and shooting each other. Will's in a Jupiter now. He made it there because uh, Smith arrived. So he's in a Jupiter with Robot and Smith. He says that he thinks that he knows how to end the war. So he and Robot aren't a fluke. Penny just showed that every robot can be free. Maureen tells John that she's like, his heart can't take the strain. They, they fly to this other area. Um, robot, I think, I forget if they went off planet or somewhere else. But Robot starts like, drawing on walls and shows him like, what the others did. Will's like just really bad shape. It's, like He's like so pale and like he's, he's going to die. Smith asks Robot if there's anything that he can do. And there's like, so where they're at, there's like these carvings on the floor. And there's kind of like this like half um, sphere, like hole in the floor. So he puts Will in there and then he's like, he's kind of standing over him. And then there's like this, uh, it forms like a sphere around them, like enclosing them. Robot puts his hand over Will's heart. Trust Will Robinson. There's like electricity. Will opens his eyes. And then when he opens it, he sees Robot is like fried and just like turns to ash. And Will's like, no. And Smith comes up. He's like, why did he do that? He shouldn't have done that. And she says, you know why? And he says that he can still feel him. And she's like, he's gone. She's like, we got to get back to the ship. Sars, you know, and we see like Sars like standing above. Like, is he watching? Was that Sar watching them? I can never tell. Then Will's like, the last thing he said was trust. So the sensor says that he's completely healed. There's a piece of robot in him. And Will says that he saved him. Smith's like, he saved me too, back in the med facility. She's like, I was about to do something that you can't ever come back from. And she thought Will, or she thought Robot was asking for help, but he was there to help her. And he always seems to know what they both needed. John and Grant talk as they're, you know, working on the ships or whatever. You know, um, Grant mentions how John kept his memory alive to Judy. He's like, not many would do that. But John's like, you're a fallen hero. And he's like, you know, you're the first out in Jupiter, first or whatever. He's like, you first out a lot of things. And uh, then he's like, well, I you know, give all that up for all, like all the time that he lost and stuff like that. So they're um, trying to get away. Sar's coming. There's attack. Marine. Um, they, 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 Marine and John are in ship, and it, I think it crashed. And then Marine sprays some coolant at one of robot, and John smashes it with like, this big wrench. Um, Sar was behind it, and John tried smashing it, but it was apparently not enough coolant. 
so he gets to the engine. Will arrives and walks out. He starts playing something, and then you know, on his wrist things like just noise stuff. Judy and Penny come up with the, with the sound on their wrist things. Grant comes up. Smith, others, they surround Sar. He's like trapped and screeches, and Will tells it um, to turn off the engine. Uh, Sar is like fighting back. No, kill, master. Will um, turns off his wristing. Sar attacks him, tries to stab him in the heart again. Will said he knew that he'd do that. He that he'd go for his heart. And robot's energy comes out into Sar, and he reverts uh, into like so. Sar is like you know has these extra arms and stuff like that. He reverts into more like a humanoid, like robot's form, like less spidery. Then Will's like, "Robot, is that you?" And then he turns around and he turns the engine off. Safe family. So robot walks up to Will and puts his hands on his shoulder. So somehow I guess he just overrode Sar. Penny says Robinsons have been on Alpha Centauri for less than 24 hours and it's already trash. She's like, I'm not saying there's a connection, but it's not looking good. Marine says like, oh, oh, I see this more as an opportunity to make it better. So Penny's working on finishing her book. Says, you know, mom's out in space building a ship to replace the Resolute. She's assisted by super advanced being whose technology seems still seems like magic, you know, the robots. Um, also being assisted by Don. Once the robots were freed from their programming, they could do whatever they wanted. Most left and didn't feel the need to tell them where they were going. Uh, when she was assembled, Sally left right away. Penny realized that she, she's just a girl who's not afraid to find her place in the universe. So, you know, she's okay with that. And she says she's never seen her dad more relaxed or, you know, this relaxed. Judy hasn't slowed down, um, but, she, you know, she's like working, whatever. And she hasn't seen Dr. Smith in a while. So Smith visits a dude in the hospital. And says, like, oh, you're looking better. And he's like, you may have gotten rid of all the evidence, but I still know what you did and who you really are. And she gives him a couple sheets of paper. And he's like, oh, is this another, another trick? I'm not falling for it. She's like, no, it's, it's a confession. So Marine visits Smith in prison. Says that when she was going over to passenger list, she came across the name Jessica Harris, authorized by Dr. Zoe Smith. And she's like, who was she? And Smith's like, my sister, technically. It's like, she disowned me. She says she doesn't um, know Smith. And Smith's like, I don't really know who I am either. Marine's like, I do. It's like, so when you get out of here, you know, look me up. So then they have this big family dinner. Don and Debbie are there. Um, Grant, the robot, everyone's sitting at the table. Will wants to go out on a, like a space mission because he's clocked in all these hours and everything like that. And so finally, you know, robot's going to go with him. They're like, okay. Marine's like, but be home by Christmas. So then later, Will, um, since transmission is part of the human robot exploratory group, whatever, he doesn't know exactly where they are, but it's beautiful. And so Penny's finishing her book, and then she's like, the end. And then she goes back of chapter one. So that's where it ends. So everyone's happy. Everything is okay now. So it was it was good. It was, it was fine ending and everything like that. Um, it's, it's too bad. I don't know what it is. And for me personally, like the feeling like I have to watch it right away is what makes it made it hard for me to watch because then I'm like oh, it, it feels like a chore and I, I know I keep saying that and I know it's stupid but you know I'm trying to watch these as fast as possible so I can talk about them and it's just it's hard for me so this is something I was like I would much rather watch it at you know when I can and not feel compelled that like I have to but so it was good overall you know I, I, I was a fan of the original so I, I, I like this. I'm glad that this was able to finish because I don't know if there was some question, you know, if it had enough good enough ratings or anything like that. So I'm glad they were able to, to finish the story. And who knows, maybe it'll come back someday. Maybe not. But that, that was good. Okay, then feature Spider-Man No Way Home. 
I mentioned at the beginning that I'll, I'm going to talk about spoilers because, I mean, with this movie, there's things that you have to talk about. I'm sure some people want to know what my thoughts about this or that or whatever, you know, where things are going to go from here. But don't panic right now. I'm not going to do spoilers. I will let you know. I'll give you a big, clear, plenty of time. Just overall, just what I want to say, I mean, it was it was really good. And, you know, I, I enjoyed it. It's. It sucks that there's so many like leaks or spoilers and stuff out there, and and you know I tried avoiding them. There's one thing which I'll mention that I saw an image of, and I was like, I wasn't sure. I didn't look at it long enough. I didn't stare at it. I just like scrolled by, and it was in a stupid Facebook news page. I, I've been starting to look there just to to get you know look for other sources of news or whatever than than the normal ones that I that I always look at. So it was like the image. It was like the main image. I don't remember what site it was, but it's like this piece of crap. News. It's like you're putting a spoil. It's one thing if you're going to say, "Oh, we heard this, this, the spoilers. We saw the leaks, or whatever." And here's what what it was. That gives people an option whether they want to click on it or not. But when you make the the main image like a spoilery image, that is just just crap. I just I don't understand why people want to leak this stuff. I mean, it doesn't make them cool. And maybe it's because people just some people like spoilers. So people are happy. They will seek out. They will give the website a page view. They'll click on it because this is what they want. So I just, I just don't don't approve of that. I, I think it's just crap. And I would never spoil something ahead of time. And because there's been so many times when I've I've been able to find out stuff. You know, I've seen movies ahead of time. I've read comics long before. You know, I, I've I've heard plots way. I shouldn't talk about that. I've heard plots way before like scripts are even written and stuff like that. And I've never said anything to anyone. I would never do that. One because there's a, the the matter of trust, and two because it's it's not my place. So like while. I could build like oh I could get some views or clicks or something like that. Well, one you're gonna you're gonna ruin your source because you know they're they're never gonna trust you again. But two, it's just it's a crappy thing to do, and I just would never do it. Um, when I saw the movie, so I, I kind of started talking about this at the beginning. Uh, the theater was pretty full; it wasn't sold out, you know. And my theater, they're good sized theaters, and I'm glad that it doesn't sell out. You know, it makes me feel safer when I'm going there. But there, there was quite a bit of people there, and there were several times people were cheering. Normally, that kind of bugs me or anything, but it, it kind of, it was nice because sometimes when you go to a movie, you get some people that just like talk or just like, it's like they don't respect or appreciate what they're seeing, you know, why, why we're all here. The fact that, you know, we all paid money to see this and then you feel like you can talk or whatever. So everyone was, was thankfully like no one's talking during and you know, no one's like talking back or, you know, like sometimes people think that they're funny or cool if, if they co- try to come up with something witty. But here people were like literally cheering when certain things happening. And it, it was, I mean, because we're all excited. It, and and it, it did kind of make us feel like we were in this together, even though I didn't even try looking anyone in the face. I'm not trying to bond with anyone, but it's like we were kind of bonding. We were all there. We're all excited. We're all happy. So I mean, it, it was a it was a, a really cool moment. Uh, I saw one little uh, headline. I didn't click on this article where originally, apparently, Sony was planning on doing the marketing for the movie without revealing the villains. I would have loved that because I I think so. This isn't spoilers unless you've avoided everything in there. But like we know, Doc Ock is in the movie. We know Green Goblin's in the movie. Um, if you watched the trailer, you know that Jamie. Well, we know Jamie Foxx is in movies cast, so we know Electro, and we know Lizards in a movie. 
that would have been amazing if like the first time like when Doc Ock appears on, on the bridge if that was the first time we would have seen in a movie, I would, I probably would, I would have been, holy crap. I probably would have lost it more than some of the other things that, that happened. Cause it, it's, it's cool that we know that. And you know, then they, they put them on the posters and everything like that. And, um, I get, I get that it gets people more excited and maybe, I don't know, maybe it, that was the right move for them. Maybe it did get more people excited. You know, if it's breaking records and, you know, huge opening, almost breaking, you know, the, the premiere, whatever night box office receipts, maybe it helped. I don't know, but I, I feel like a lot of people would have seen this movie anyways, because the, the, we're loving the Spider-Man movies. We love Tom Holland as Spider-Man, you know, Sony Marvel doing an awesome job, but I, man, I can't imagine going into this movie and not knowing that they were going to be in it and seeing them for the first time. That would have just been been crazy. So we have our story, and you know, we we get the whole, you know, it's a story uh, because of Mysterio and thanks to J. Jonah Jameson, you know, putting this all over the news. Peter Parker's identity is is known to the world, so that that really changes everything. And it's it's kind of weird how it is how people react so much when the fact that like everyone knew Iron Man was, was Tony Stark. You know, we, we say, we see the Avengers plaque, all their names are there. So even like Clint Barton, you know, so it's like no one has secret identities in Avengers. Uh, you know, even like, you know, Bruce Banner's name was there. So it's, it's weird that how people react so much to Spider-Man. Uh, and maybe it's because he's always been, he's, I guess there really aren't, I mean, Captain America wears a mask, but, it was like almost like what's the point of him wearing a mask if everyone knows he is and so it's just interesting just the reaction that people have to it and i I, it makes sense to an extent but it almost feels like it's a little bit too much that, that they're reacting a little too you know whatever because he's just another hero you know he's an avenger but all we have all these other avengers and no one's making a big deal about him i don't know so you know that that obviously messes things up, and then um, the the kicker is you know they're the Spider Peter Peter uh, MJ and Neds are applying to different schools. They want to go to school together, to, to, so they, the three of them can keep going, whatever. And uh, they even applied to the same backup schools, and you know they get the they they don't get accepted to the backups, whatever. And then um, so spoiler. You know, the, the main thing is they don't get accepted to MIT either. So then Peter realizes that it's because of him, because they're friends with Spider-Man that this is that he's he's affecting their lives. So this is when he decides to go to Doctor Strange and, you know, to try to do the spell. And then as you see in the trailer, you know, Doctor Strange is like, everyone's going to forget who he is. And he's like, well, you know, not Ned and MJ, you know, and it, it's supposedly causes messes things up. And then that's when um, somehow other people come, and so basically, what it, the reason why, like, why is Doctor or why is Doc Octopus there and everyone else is because basically people who know Peter Parker Spider Man are seeking him out from other from the multiverse somehow. So I don't know why the spell works that way, but that's that's why they're there. So somehow they cracked. There's a crack in the multiverse, and they made their way through or something like that. I don't know. So that's that's basically the story. Then how can they they stop everything? And um, that's uh, so we're almost getting to the non spoiler part. So with, with everything, just what I want to say about it, I guess I'll share my thoughts before I get into the spoiler stuff. Is you know it, it, they do a good job across the board, 
And I've kind of joked that Zendaya, you know, I, I think she's a awesome actor. I don't feel like she's, I mean, she's not Mary Jane Watson and she's not supposed to be Mary Jane Watson. You know, we, we, we know her name is Michelle something, whatever Jones Watson. What? I don't forget what her, what her name is. And, um, that's fine. Ned I'm finding is, it's just kind of annoying, you know, cause the whole thing with MJ and Ned, their characters, you know, they're supposed to give us more to comedy to relief and, you know, get like the buddy buddy thing going. But like just you see in a trailer how how MJ's like sassing Doctor Strange, I I just don't think that that's right. And whatever you know, there should be a, some bit of I I think you would be in awe, and you know, there's some respect. And even if he's being a little, you know, kind of arrogant, whatever, and deserved the sass, I just felt it was too much. And Ned, there's just too much because like you know. MJ and Peter, you know, they're, they're trying to get some time alone, you know, from all of the craziness when everyone knows his identity. The Ned comes up. It's like, oh, fine. It's like, are you really that clueless that you don't know that they want to, you know, some time alone? And and just it's like he's a bumbling oof, oof, even though he's super smart. You know, he's he's just a comedy relief. And sometimes it's, it's just it just bothers me. It's like, ugh. But, you know, he does serve his purpose. And, and you know, in this movie, he does have a, an important role as well, you know, besides just being the, the, the comedy relief sidekick friend. So those are just not, th- those are really like my only complaint about the movie is just those little things. But obviously those are like nothing. And I can easily, uh, you know, avoid those and get over that and just enjoy the movie. So all in all, it was, it was really good, really enjoyable. Um, there is a lot going on in the movie. Uh, but thankfully, it's not like Spider-Man 3, where it just felt like it was too much. You know, when we had uh, Sandman, Venom, and Harry Osborn, you know, that that was just, it felt like it was just so clogged down with just too much. So even though there's so much going on here, it doesn't really feel that bad. And, you know, it's it's a, I don't want to say a slow build, you know, but things go along at an okay pace. But then the third act, things really kick in. So, I mean, things pick up, and I can't go into more detail now without going spoilers. So, I just want to say, yes, I, I enjoyed the movie. I loved it. I want to see – this is one where – because normally I'm like, yeah, I want to see that again, but I'll wait till it comes out on you know Blu-ray or whatever. I, I really want to, want to see this movie again, and uh, I just might have to go to the theater again and, and see it. We'll, we'll have to see like how my schedule works out. But – it was just exciting and there's just a lot of good moments. And, you know, I love Spider-Man, you know, cause he was my, he was my ticket to the Marvel universe, even though I, you know, was aware of, you know, other characters, Hulk and, and, you know, thanks to those 60 cartoons, you know, I knew who Iron Man and Thor were and Captain America and, you know, just, it, it was, it was Spider-Man that, that brought me there. You know, that's when I first started reading it was because of Spider-Man and I just, you know, in X-Men from Spider-Man and his amazing friends, so I, I love Spider-Man. I just think they did a great job with this. And I'm just really happy. And I, I can't wait. I can't wait till we get more. Okay, but now we need to talk some spoilers. We need to talk about some of the things that happened, some of the craziness, some of the big reveals and everything like that. So this is your chance to pause the, the episode or stop it. Um, this is all I'm going to talk about. I'm just going to talk about the rest of the movie. I've, I've pretty much said what I, I, I think about it. So I don't think there's really anything else that I'm going to add to it. The only thing is the outro, and I'm going to talk about next week. 
Um, I can mention right now, next week's feature is going to be Matrix, Matrix Resurrection. Uh, Kingsman, I'm probably going to save for the following week just to, to have something to talk about. But, um, yeah, so this is your chance. I, I hope you have a great – if you celebrate Christmas or whatever, I hope you you have enjoyable holidays if you don't listen to the outro, whatever. But there are going to be spoilers. Have a safe time, um, whether you're alone or with family or friends. You know, Take care of yourself. But there's going to be spoilers. Spoilers are coming. Spoilers are coming. Spoilers are coming. So be warned. Is that enough warning? I think that should be enough warning. I don't even know if I should put – maybe I'll put – I think I'm going to put even in the time codes. So I'm going to put it at this point right here. Okay, so we're going to have – let's put it big – <laughs> right there spoilers take action all right let's talk about spoilers <laughs> the first thing uh this is the thing this this pisses me off that i i knew and i suspected because you know a lot of people there was a lot of denial and this is i, I wonder how it comes so charlie cox let's just start there um there's a part after peter's arrested then we see like someone puts you know in, in the, the living room there's matt murdoch and people in, in in the audience, they were like, "What?" You know, they're 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 excited. And this was this this stupid picture that I saw where he's like sitting at a table with them. And at first, you know, again, I quickly scrolled past it. I was like, "That's that's probably like photoshops. It's fake. Someone made it. Maybe it's not." And it's just what type of jerk a hole leaks this information? How is this getting leaked? It's like you're not cool. It's like, why are you trying to sabotage the fun for people? You know, because like, who leaked it? it? Someone's not getting credit for it unless you're like, I'm the, I'm the spoiler, spoilery spoiler strikes again. You know, you, I don't see the, the point in doing this. Like, what, what do you gain from trying to ruin this for other people? And and maybe you're like, oh well, some people love spoilers, and I'm doing this out of kindness of my heart to make them happy. It's like, no, screw you. Just, just stop. And it's probably someone that's just bitter and petty and mad and jealous that this is successful, so they just want to ruin it for other people. It just sucks. So it was great seeing Matt Murdock there. And, um, oh, dear Lord, dear Mar dear Kevin Feige, let's see Daredevil somewhere soon, something. This was just, it was so, so great to see him. And it's, it's like he didn't, you know, miss a beat. And there's like this a scene that happens like in, in there. Um, and it's just like the reactions of everyone. Uh, I mean, it was, I don't see, I don't, I don't want to spoil everything, but that like what he does at the table, was just so great. Um, so yeah, we get Matt Murdock, not daredevil. So that, that was really cool. And I'm, it was so, I can't wait. I'm so excited about what this could mean that, and it, it may mean that the Netflix show is not Canon. You know, that could be multiverse, Matt Murdock, whatever, fine you know i i'm not happy with that um i will accept it oh, whatever we we have him back so let's hope that this happens um so now we have matt murdoch and we have uh kingpin <laughs> spoilers for hawkeye if, if you're if you avoided <laughs> oops um whatever, whatever spoilers and spoilers so so that was great and then the other part so with with all the villains and everything like that you know we we have them oh I'm not happy about what happens to Aunt May. That's all I'm going to say about that. Uh, I get why, but um, so then the other part. Oh, the thing that bugs me. So again, if we're if we're just spoiling everything, if I'm sharing my thoughts in this, so this is this isn't like just review stuff. This is this is how Tony felt about the different things. <laughs> so 
Ned knowing magic, being able to do magic. No, come on. He's like, well, my my nana or my mom or grandma, whatever, always said I we had magic. In so he's able to open the portals, like like just like that. Yeah, he kind of struggles with it, but he's able to do it because he has the ring thing that, that helps. Come on, really, bumbling Ned. Ah, oh, Jesus. <laughs> I had a gardener named Jesus once. Uh, we used him like a couple times. Uh, <laughs> Jesus. So because they, they're trying to find Peter, they you know open a portal. Peter comes walking in. They see him. And it's a... Uh, wait, wait, who... Uh, now I'm trying to remember. It was uh, Andrew Garfield. And so this is the thing. Andrew Garfield's like, I'm not in the movie. I'm just like, dude, stop talking about it. I'm not in the movie. So... Again, is he straight up lying? <sighs> but it was cool. And then another moment, then uh, we get uh, Toby Maguire. So, and the thing with like Toby Maguire, and this is where I was like kind of in denial because there's like like oh promo images showed you know Toby Maguire Spider Man and they shouldn't have put that out and stuff like that. And here I'm just trying to be like, yeah, I don't believe you, you know, because people can fake things, you know, because people want to trick other people and everything like that. So I'm like, okay, maybe this supposed promo thing is, is fake, you know, because I didn't even want to look at it. I'm mad that I heard that, you know, there was just some promo, uh, you know, images out there supposedly. But I'm just like, like, no, no, I'm not going to believe it. People are, are just lying. People are making stuff up. So it was great seeing them and finding out like there was, there's some really great moments when, you know, getting to catch up with them and like, like what happened. So we, we find out like where, what is Tobey Maguire Spider-Man doing? Um, what's up? Did, did he and Mary Jane work things out or not? Who, you know, what, what's happening there? And then, but that's a sad thing is in the spoiler is that Andrew Garfield Spider-Man is is alone he doesn't found anyone because like after gwen is like he blames himself for gwen and that is like the heartbreaking thing um that that he's you know he's he blames himself for that and that's like just a, a horrific thing there is some redeeming you know there's a great moment later with with andrew garfield that that kind of helps that out but um, there, there's some. It was just kind of funny, you know, when they first come up, you know, when they first meet each other, and the, the part like when when Andrew Garfield first comes, and they're like climb on the roof or climb on the ceiling, whatever, and then uh, Ned's grandma like, oh, can you get the cobwebs in the? Car? It's like, come on, that was just that was just too much, and even and him walking on the uh, ceiling just looked a little cheesy. It's like I don't know, but later since i'm i'm kind of done with the movie i mean i don't really want to, i'm not going to spoil the rest but i have to say the three of them together yes they will be fighting together it, it was really cool there was something i mean even when we see him in the same room and they're kind of joking like peter no peter parker no it's like it ned you're an idiot they're all peter parker uh but seeing them all in their costumes like swinging together that was a really cool image and I hope at some point, it's like I would love like a high res image of that. Just I don't know what I would do with it. It's like you can't really maybe like a desktop, you know, screensaver because you can't really put it on your phone because it, it's a wide shot and whatever, blah blah blah. But there's a, it was really cool uh, just seeing how how it ended. But then the, just the whole weird thing is is you know they the sort of villains. I said I don't want to get I don't want to spoil everything. But like their their motive for fighting the villains and how they had to like kind of trick Doctor Strange whatever. And um, 
that was just a little weird. It's like, is that really going to work and stuff like that? But they're heroes. So, of course, you know, they want to try to do the right thing. And, you know, this is like why Barry's trying to help reverse Flash because that's what heroes do, right? So it was, it was just a lot of cool moments. And normally, you know, it's not a lot of times in the Marvel movies, the, the big fight at the end, it, it, sometimes it's, just, it's too much or, or just comes across as kind of, you know, whatever. But I, I think they did a, a really good job here. And I was just really excited. And some, you know, exciting moments, shocking moments. Uh, you know, Peter's decision at the end is kind of crazy. And that is really going to change things for Spider-Man moving forward. Like, where is this going to go after that? And I, I, I find that interesting to see, and it really opens the door for the next movie because it's not just going to be the same thing. So we're, we're, the kind of good thing is, you know, I I like the, the, the nanotech suit, even though it is so not Spider-Man. So the fact that Dr. Octopus, I keep wanting to say Dr. Strange, Dr. Octopus kind of ruins it a little bit. You know, there, there's something about that. So Peter's going to have to go back to just like a regular costume, which is not as convenient for him, but that's closer to who the character should be. You know, he shouldn't have all these gadgets. So while they're cool and they give him such an edge over everyone, it's he shouldn't have that as, as much as I, I, I love seeing Tom Holland, MCU, Spider-Man have this stuff. He really shouldn't. So I think that could be cool when they just go go that route to see like, not necessarily strip down Spider-Man, but a little more, you know, Spider-Man who Spider-Man should be. So I'm really looking forward to what's going to be next. Then if, while we're talking spoilers or whatever, so the the mid credit scene, I didn't care. It's like, it's just Sony like, oh, we want to cross promote Venom. So I feel like this mid credit scene for like 99% of the mid credit scene was worthless. Absolutely worthless. We see Eddie Brock, um, but when Eddie Brock leaves the scene, what he leaves behind, okay, that has me interested. That that's something. But other than that, it's like, what's the point? And then obviously the the end credit scene wasn't really end credit. It was just a Doctor Strange trailer, which is looks super cool. And I I'm I'm excited that that America Chavez is in it. And I, I realized, because at first I was like, wait, is that America Chavez? Because she's got the jacket with the star. And of course, earlier, that, I think, it was, I don't know if it was that day or something like that, Hasbro released like images for the Doctor Strange figures and America Chavez is in the set, which that doesn't mean anything because Sleepwalker is in the set too. And I don't think Sleepwalker is going to be in, in the Doctor Strange movie. But that, that footage looks cool. So uh, we have a lot to look forward to. So that is it. Uh, I think I spoiled enough more than I would want to spoil, but it was a really, really good. And while when there was a potential for the other Spider-Men being in it and all the villains, I was like worried. I was like, this is gonna be too much. This is gonna be overload. It's gonna be lame because there's gonna be so many villains and not enough story. It, they somehow made it work. I don't know how, but it was just, it was really good, really enjoyable. And, you know, maybe I'm still on, on the, the high from watching it. You know, maybe if I, you know, after another week, I'd be like, you know, maybe it wasn't that great. You know, or not, not that it would, wouldn't be good, but, you know, maybe I just over, I just got so caught up in the moment. But I don't think that's the case. So I think I'm, I'm still going to like it. That's why I'd, I'd like to watch it again, just to, to see how, you know, seeing it a second time, what my reactions are. So that is going to be it. We're going to call it an episode. So we hit about at the three hour mark. So that's it. That's your Spider-Man spoilers. So now it is safely time for the outro. 
So, big thanks to Dave McPhail and Andrew Loken. They are big supporters of the show. You can be a supporter by going to patreon.com slash gmanfromheck. Any amount you can commit to will be awesome. And if you commit at the Rick Jones tier or higher, you get access to the secret podcast from Heck, which is an additional 30 minutes of podcast entertainment every single week. And currently talking about Hawkeye, with the Matt Fraction, David Aha series. So you can hear about that. I love this series, and I'm looking forward to reading more of this. I don't know how many issues I'll do, but we'll do this for a little bit, and then you know who knows what. I'm still open to suggestions if there's anything else you want me to talk about, other movies. I have some other movies in mind, but it's a matter of t- finding the time to rewatch them. And um, if there's like even if you wanted to just do like a certain topic, like I could do an episode like full, you know, Spider-Man spoilers or you know something. I, I don't know, just. Let me know if, if there's anything you want to hear about because I'm doing this for you, you know. So if, if you're a patron, you know, I want you to get your money's worth. And, uh, you know, I, I want this is my way to say thank you for supporting. But if you can't support, um, to, if you can't support, make a commit, if you can't commit to a monthly commitment, that's my, my, my cheesy whatever. You can also help out by going to coffee.com slash gman from heck and you can buy me a virtual cup of coffee or eight. That is ko-fi.com slash gman from heck. All right. So I already mentioned last next uh, mentioned last week. I mentioned next week uh, we're going to have the Matrix. So I'm going to see that. And I need I, I'm I'm a little concerned about recording this next episode. I will. I promise I will make it like I shouldn't promise, but I will make it happen again. Have some plans, you know, family stuff going. So I'm going to make it sure it happens. But uh, there should be Dexter Hawkeye. Um, I don't know if there's anything else. Uh, I feel like there's something that, that started, but it might be a shorter episode. So I apologize, but you know, at least it's gonna be something. I mean, gonna, I'm still determined to make it a, every, every a, one episode every week, but we'll, we'll see what there is. I feel like something was coming up or something started. I don't know. Maybe, so there might be more or it might be like pretty short, which, could help me out, um, you know, recording this and recording the secret podcast. But again, I'm, I'm not complaining about doing that. So we'll figure it out. So that being said, um, go see Spider-Man. <laughs> go see Matrix. Because that, so that's the thing. I, I, I watched a uh, second. I need to watch the third Matrix before I see. Oh, man. When am I going to do that? Um, okay. Anyways, so that is going to be this week's episode. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you are doing well. I hope um, everything is going just dandy for you. I hope you're taking care of yourself. And I hope you remember to be good to each other. 